on today's show, we are getting to know Timbo. But first, a word from today's sponsors. Andre Psyche is the freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up on any social media. It's Andre Psyche. That's P-S-Y-C-H-E. The next time you are looking to add some creative stimulation to your social media circle. Patreon.com helps creators like me earn a monthly income that will be put towards podcast expenses. Support the Getting to Know You Pod's creative endeavors through Patreon for as little as $2 a month. There are all sorts of costs that I had no fucking idea about associated with posting podcasts, not to mention the need for equipment and production. So dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests or just want to help keep the pod going, go to our Patreon. The link's in the description and your support of the Getting to Know You pod is very much appreciated. Two bucks too much? Here are three free ways to help. Get your thumbs ready. One, push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. Did that? Thank you. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on your social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go ahead, open those apps, click away if you haven't already. Thanks again. Three, go to Apple, write a review. The internet tells me this might be the most important and impactful. So thank you. Your support, dear listener, whether it's with your thumbs through our Patreon or ideally both, is greatly appreciated. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to Getting to hope you like me Because I'm good enough Getting to know you Putting it my way But nicely I'm smart enough You are precisely And doggone it and Timbo, I didn't get to tell you this, but you have one of my favorite settings for Zoom interviews, which is in a car. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, for, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and uh, letting people get to know you, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for letting me be on here. It's a privilege for sure. <laughs> and so I, I didn't get to ask, but tell me about why are you in a car? <laughs> How come no hotel room or there a bunch of babies screaming well, somewhere? Well, I'm in <laughs> Well, like when I when I tra- I train a lot and I go everywhere, so I basically live in a truck. <laughs> uh, but right now it's my auntie's birthday, and uh, so I was like, oh, well, I'll make the birthday, and then after I did, I was like, I'll just do the interview in the car. It's okay. <laughs> <coughs> I'm always surprised how many people are comfortable being like on a Zoom in their car, and it's such. It yeah. seems like a like their peaceful serenity. Their sanctuary, you know, it's, um, it's interesting yep. how society's oh, yeah, gotten sure. that way. So where, um, where actually are you? So right now I live in Fruitland, New Mexico. It is, uh, near Shiprock, New Mexico. If you don't know where that is, then it's pretty much near the four quarters. Okay. Um, and I guess I, I should be decent to listeners. If people haven't, or like haven't clicked on you or anything yet. 
but you're a super runner like ridiculously you go forever <laughs> you win a bunch of shit um, not to make you brag about yourself but can you just give listeners a little bit of like your background and what you're into i guess running wise not <clears throat> yeah. just in life so <laughs> yeah so my name is timbo and uh, i'm an ultra runner and uh, also a cannabis athlete. So what I do is I use cannabis to support my overall health and wellness. And with that knowledge that I have, I try to pretty much, I hope to just educate people and redefine fitness because a lot of people don't really see, you know, cannabis users as like a very healthy individual. They kind of see it as like a negative stereotype at times. And sometimes they picture that lazy stoner, you know, that lazy stereotype. And so like, that's where, you know, with me, it was, it was just kind of like, that's, that's not who I am at all. <laughs> you know, it's like with me, cannabis is very beneficial to me and it really helps me. <laughs> so out of nowhere, I was like, this is really cool. I think I could really, uh, inspire and also just, uh, touch a lot of people with kind of what I do. Um, cause every time I go for a run with somebody or something, they always thank me after a run. They're always like, thank you so much. I really needed this. And out of nowhere, I'm just like, oh, cool. You know, and it just, it just, it keeps happening that way. And I'm like, all right, you know, I got to keep running. I got to keep these people motivated and inspired, you know, and, you know, it's really awesome to find also like other cannabis users that are, they're not ultra runners, but they could, they have like, they're like in the gym six hours a day. <laughs> And like nobody out of nowhere to like, oh wow, there's like this full spectrum of like athleticism with canvas users. And nobody really knows because we're all like kind of pretty much in the truck, probably smoking and everything outside <laughs> the gym, or you know, <laughs> we're all trying not to get caught or something. And we're we're on the down low, but then out of nowhere when we find other canvas users and that like really want to achieve that active lifestyle. It's like, Oh, cool. I'm not the only one. Awesome. And there's that kind of relief. Yeah. And to, I guess to build on that something. So I'm in Southern Delaware and Southern Delaware is trying to, um, medical marijuana is passed. They're trying to get a bill across to legalize marijuana. And from what I understand the East coast being this good old boy, industrial complex, (laughs) it's like the thing that's crushing the bill is the people who are passing it are trying to, grant freedoms to almost like cannabis microbreweries. And I believe the people blocking the bill want to have it like be doled out through the monopoly of medical marijuana infrastructure that's already established. And they're like, that's, Mm -hmm. that's not the point. It's fucking weed. It's healthy. It's cheap. Why are you trying to like regulate and add all these additional costs? We don't mind paying the taxes. We understand that aspect, but should it be some industry or shouldn't it be more like, a microbrew free flowing kind of a thing. So all that just to give you a little background to where I'm at. And it's something I've battled with as a school teacher. I'm also a school teacher and I'm a basketball coach. And like, I enjoy wine. I'm drinking wine right now as we're, um, as we're recording. But if I have too much wine, like, dude, I'm not trying to wake up the next day. You know, like, like it, it, it fucks with my, it really fucks with my workouts. Like I enjoy lifting weights. I enjoy going for like a four or five mile run and it's relaxing. Put yeah. on some music, listen to a podcast, enjoy the elements, you know, like feel good afterwards. I have yeah. not gotten to the point where I've been comfortable with like replacing wine use with marijuana use. 
You know, like, hey, let me wind down. Let me smoke a little bit. Hey, I'm about to go stretch after a run. Maybe let me smoke a little bit because it's very relaxing. You know, I've done like beer yoga, yeah. but that wasn't really yoga. And you feel bloated, you're burping. You know, like it's not, <laughs> it, it, it's not the same. And I'm super curious. Still need to stretch after. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. You just want to like relax. And I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it, I feel like the benefits of when I remember when I did smoke, like it was like you felt more in tuned with your body. That was one thing I do remember is I felt like I knew more about like crevices of my body, like kinks in my neck. I could like hone into and kind of work out. And I, I felt at peace and I felt happy stretching where so much I feel is so rushed in life where you don't take the time yeah. to really zone out in a run and taking care of yourself. And I, I don't want to talk too much, but just to give you a little background on my perspective and which is why I really yeah. enjoy speaking to people like you who like clearly dude, you're fucking winning shit. Like I'm going through different Instagram posts and it's like, Hey, yeah, finished first in like a 50 K finished 14th and a, 50 miler did a hundred and you're like, and the dude smokes, right? Like, and he's into marijuana. It, it, yeah. it really wouldn't make much sense. So can you give me like how scientific you are? Are you into the point where you're eating like edibles and you have grams of stuff? Do, do you have like a preferred, like, like um, grain or I guess not grain. That's how fucking much of a boomer I am. But like, how much, like, do you have a particular pot that you're into? So I do. Um, so with me, what works kind of just with my body is I'm more of a, like a hybrid indica to indica, indica strain person. Um, and that just, I, I feel like my body just, it helps my body a lot more than it, a sativa does. Cause when I have a sativa, it's like having a cup of coffee and I'm just like, I need to go, go, go. I can't think like everything's like mushed up. And I'm like, no, no, I need, I need to slow these, these things down because already as a norm, normal person, I'm wanting to just like get stuff done. So like, I need to really slow things down sometimes. And so like, that's why I really, I like the Indica strength <clears throat> and it really helps me with my recovery. So like with me, I really like flour. Um, I'm an OG person. I, I like to roll up. I need my joints, <laughs> but I'll, I'll smoke like before or after. Sometimes I'll vape and everything during, if I need it, like if I have nowhere, um, if I get through a technical section in a race or a run and my joints are kind of flaring up or something. And, you know, I've been on, on the trail all day and I have nowhere. I'm just like, okay, I need that kind of kick. And the con the, the concentrates and everything, it's a higher THC percentage than a flower, you know, so when you when I take that, I'm like, all right, I just need that kind of little bit more of a kick to kind of get my body going. Because like what with me when I'm running, I like to kind of sometimes things get out of hand during a race or a run, and you like pretty much you can't control your breathing or anything, or like I get anxious a lot. Um, and then out of nowhere, when I smoke or when I take my, I usually take edibles during as well. Um, that just helps me kind of gain my composure. Uh, just to kind of take a moment to just be like, okay, let, you know, I need to focus on my breathing. It's okay. <laughs> and just kind of process, process it out. Just being like, okay, I'm at this mile of the race. I had this many miles left. Um, but just breaking it down to a point where it's like, okay, I can do this now. <laughs> the measurables, right? Like the, let me get into <laughs> some perspective. This will end. 
yeah yeah like just get to the finish line it's okay you're gonna cross it, it, it you know it might be and not it might not be as like fast as you wanted it but you're gonna cross and either way every time that's why i love ultra running is you cross that finish line and you learn so much like you you spend so much time with yourself during that whole time and out of nowhere you learn so much about yourself through your training and through life out of nowhere you'd be like all right i need to stop procrastinating and i need to get on to like my nutrition or out of nowhere you like in an ultra marathon race things really like humble you like these experiences when you go through it in an ultra race uh it humbles you to a point where it's like okay now let me take a step back and evaluate my life <laughs> yeah dude that's the so I, I tried to run a marathon um during covid and i did a little bit of training maybe like three weeks of training where i never ran more than six miles and then one friday my daughter had a sleepover and i was like fuck it man let me see if i could do a half <laughs> you know i got my garment yeah. on i just take <laughs> off down the highway i wound up finishing and then when i finished i was like maybe I could do a marathon, right? So I go for the uh -huh. marathon and I make it 22 miles while running. And the 22nd mile, I, I didn't leave any water. So I had two 10 ounce like bottles that I bought a belt for yeah. and that was it. Uh -huh. And I, I don't know if like that really mattered, but it really fucked me up when I ran out of water that yeah. last four miles and uh -huh. I knew there was no water. There was no, like, it's just me on a highway. Yeah. So I, like- immediately I'm mind fucking myself and I'm nothing but negative, nothing but negative. <laughs> and I stopped and walked because I let the fear overcome me, you know? And like I jogged a little bit then I walked a little bit, jogged a little bit, walked a little bit. And it was one of those times where I, I did, I self-reflected and I was like, you kind of disrespected the marathon cause you didn't prepare right. Like how come you didn't do a better job hydrating the day before, maybe not drinking, making sure you got your sleep, pre preparing, you know? And I yeah. don't know if that happens enough in real life where it's just you in your own mind with a goal. Not yeah. You can't blame anybody else. N nobody else stopped you. Nobody else affected you. It's you. And I'm curious about maybe some of your reflections where you've grown as a person. <clears throat> uh, for sure. Uh, a lot of times when I get up and kind of the same situation. I mean, hydration is very key in these long endurance events. And like, you can plan so much, you can have a plan A to Z, but out of nowhere, no matter what, you got to be able to just, when things are like just up in the air, you got to be able to just appreciate where it falls <laughs> and go from there. <laughs> so like a lot of it, I definitely learned that as like each race, as I did each race and as I did each like long run and everything. And that's what I like, that's what running really taught me was to mainly enjoy the journey, be patient and appreciate that progress. And then pretty much when things, when you start to really notice and do those things, um, I just feel like you start to really notice kind of like your purpose. I'm like, you truly know why you're doing this run. You truly know why you're running this race, you know? Um, Cause sometimes I just feel like there were sometimes at race at some races where like, I wasn't really truly there. I wasn't truly in the moment of being like, Oh yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to really uh, have my full attention on this race. Sometimes my mind gets sidetracked and life just happens. And then you have nowhere instead of racing, you're thinking about your life. Um, out of nowhere, um, 
when I get stuck in that moment, uh, it reminds me to like, especially when I'm in a day to day life to where if I get caught up in something, don't get caught up in it, just let it go. Um, and just kind of go on to the next thing, um, to where have... like, if I'm racing and I have a life problem or something, I'm like, all right, right now I'm running, I'm on this trail it's a, I'm on a beautiful Canyon right now. And I'm thinking about this type of problem i could worry about that problem in two hours you know just have nowhere letting that go and being like all right let me just stick in this moment right here (laughs) yeah that's where the like just focus on your breathing the meditative woo-woo kind of state can be kind of overstated because it's so simple i don't know if i'm like saying that right but like so many people say it and yet it seems like so many people have to say it because so few people do it and you're in the middle of going for a jog, the sun's out, whatever. And then it's like, fuck man. Like, Oh man, how am I going to make whatever payment? Or I'm trying to make this sort of trip yeah. or, Oh my God, somebody didn't return my call. Life is going to end. Or you have some desire to, I don't know, even eat something that you missed out on. And you're like, I'm yeah. not going to be done by time. This restaurant's going to close. And it really like sucks away from the joy of, overcoming your body's limitations. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was, yeah, su- for sure. I was surprised when you had said you will have edibles. Maybe I, I misheard you, but will you have some like edibles <laughs> as you're running? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I'll usually have at least 20 to 30 and like where, like whatever pocket. Um, I really like the gummies and usually with the edibles during a race, I, I'll kind of have like a hybrid in the good dominant one. Um, but that's just out of nowhere. Like if, uh, my muscles will start to spasm or something and out of nowhere, it's like, I really need to calm my body. I'll take one. And then out of nowhere, I'll keep running. And if my like muscle twitches and it continues on, then I'll take another 10, but like, it's more of like just gradual dosage dosage until you kind of achieve it. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm good until kind of the next type of obstacle. Got you. So it's not like a, some sort of, Hey, every four miles I'm doing something. It's completely, it's mostly reactive. No, Yeah. Yeah. It's mainly just trying to listen to your body, kind of really tapping into like, what is, what does my body really need right now? You know? Um, cause sometimes, yeah, like you would want a joint right now, but right now you need to eat some like food. <laughs> you don't need to smoke. You need some food or like, it's one of it's that moderation to kind of think about, uh, cause like, I like it, but then, like, yes, when you do consume so much cannabis in a run, I mean, you get the munchies, you get the cotton mouth, you get all of that as well in a run. It comes with it. And out of nowhere, you start to kind of calculate, being like, all right, you know, I had the munchies and I'm running. All my calories are just depleted. I need to really, like, think about, you know, if I am going to take this dosage, I need to have extra calories or something just in case I get those munchies and like, you know, or, you know, having that extra fluid just in case I do get caught now. (laughs) Right. Do you, do do you Mm -hmm. have a, like a super hydrating drink or do you have like your own formula? (laughs) Or are you just like straight Gatorade? I I wish I had my own formula, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, no, I, I've been using Tailwind right now, but I just started to use gnarly, gnarly sports nutrition. They had these awesome drinks. Um, but yeah, that's a really good company as well. Uh, Um, so when you use those kind of sports powder hydration mixes, uh, that, that just really helps kind of just balance everything out. I mean, because in these endurance events, you're so, you're dehydrating, dehydrating, you're dehydrating yourself most of the time. 
Yeah, dude, I was. So, like, a lot of it is just trying to be efficient and trying to just keep, like, on a, like, I have a timer on my watch. Every 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes, it beeps and everything, and I have to hydrate. Like, even if I'm not thirsty, I have to be able to take something in uh, just because I'm always just – everything's coming out of me and pretty much. <laughs> yeah, right? And do you have, like, a set ounce? Like, are you like, hey, I'm going to, whatever, take eight ounces, or do you just take a quick little swig? <clears throat> yeah, it's just a kind of swig. Uh, if I have no word, like if I take that swig and that swig tasted really good, I'll take another pull. Um, but if I just needed to kind of water my mouth out, then cool. That's all I needed. Yeah, dude. I, one thing I, when I talk to most people, I find out I'm way too like analytical in numbers. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, every 20 minutes you take four ounces and you make sure, but like, that's how I picture it in my mind. And then so many of people are like, no man, you just feel it. Like you take a swig and if it's like, you feel good. You roll on. If you're like, I'm thirsty, guess what you do? You take another. It's like, don't yeah. overcomplicate it. Yeah, it was yeah. when I started going a little longer with my runs, I was amazed. I, I got into the weird habit of weighing myself before and after the runs. And maybe it's because I drank so much and I don't smoke, but I would lose. And I'm in Delaware. It's flat. And it was early in the morning. So it's nine o'clock. You know, it's not like heat on in Arizona yeah. in the summer. I'd lose nine pounds, man. I'd go from 170 to like 161 and I was amazed and it was 11 miles, 13 miles. It wasn't super strenuous, maybe a nine minute a mile pace, not like killing myself. I can't imagine you fuckers out there in elevation, like hundreds of miles, how like how much weight you would actually lose. Uh, I mean... Honestly, that's actually a really good thing that you are doing. You're weighing yourself before and after because then you actually know how much you need to put back in your body after you do run. Uh, um, that's actually really good. Um, see, I didn't even look at it that way. I just like thought I, it was funny. You definitely don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, no, that's actually a really good idea. <laughs> I might actually take that advice. I might work on that. <laughs> yeah, but like, so how much do you think you would lose? Because you're way, like, you're way better shape, right? Like you're a super runner. Do you think you go through yeah. that much? Like, do you think your body loses that much in like liquid? Or I definitely mass? do. Like there, there are some times when, uh, when I do push myself and I get, and I get stuck in a part of the race where I'm just severely dehydrated. You know, sometimes you get in those stages and you're just like, Oh my gosh, like I feel like I'm 140 pounds when I should be 160. You know, it's out of nowhere. Like some, some of those times you do feel like, Oh my gosh, like I need to eat something right now because I don't feel good. (laughs) So like, yeah, for sure. I mean, there are times when, uh, I do hit those moments and I'm just like, Oh, this is not good. (laughs) So if anything, I might start, you know, weighing myself just to, just to see. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'd be interested, man. Cause you, I mean, I, I feel like you're, are you a buck 60? Like normally? I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm about 160. Yeah. Okay. And, and about- then, but then like when I go into my higher uh, mileage and I do like more of my strength training sessions, it's like a training block that time I'll pretty much put a little muscle on, but it's not too noticeable. Uh, it's just like, I'll go up to maybe 170, And then after that, I'll put in like fast workouts and I'll lose, I'll lose kind of like that weight, but then that, uh, efficiency, my running economy is still there. Gotcha. And how much, yeah. like, 
work if you go with weights or for muscle how much is like straight leg work how much is core are you just like hey i want to get the six pack right i need my pecs (laughs) flexing no uh a lot of it is i'm mainly focusing on quality over quantity and also a lot of my training is based off of time and uh so like when i'm focusing on i'm mainly well i'm mainly focusing on running efficiency i want to be as efficient as possible you know i need to be able to yes be at mile 10 but also 20 30 40 50 60 like i got to be able to be efficient enough to go on and you know because in in the trails um there are certain sections especially if you're going longer than 100 where um you'll hit like a very technical section from mile 50 to 65 and then out of nowhere it's a sandy section from mile 70 to 80 you know there's there's that whole part of that whole journey in the course where you got to just be efficient and be aware and being like okay i can kind of i can back it off a little bit at this kind of flat section just to conserve my energy for you know mile 20 or 30 when i will need kind of that energy (laughs) Oh yeah, dude. I didn't even think about yeah. that. The, like just a flat section. See, I would think you'd like be so happy that you're actually on trail that it would be hard to hold your body back. Cause I think when most people train, they not treadmill, but like if you're on a trail, it just feels natural. Yeah, You're on a road, right? So mm-hmm. you get that bounce back. You're on a track and I would feel like you'd have mm-hmm. to fight your body to be like, Whoa, 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 man. Like five miles up, we're going to be in sand. It's going to be muddy or whatever. And it's, we're going to get stuck <laughs> every step. We're going to be stuck and we're going to have to pull through this. I hadn't thought about that as a concept, like holding back on road parts, holding back where it's easy. I think you're breaking up. Gotcha. Can you hear me? Yep. Probably just cause I'm rambling. Um, pretty much I'll do 10 to 15 of the reps. And then after I get done, I'm doing 10 to 15 leg lifts. And then that's one set. Okay. And then I'll go on to the, and after I get done, I'll just go on to the next exercise and I'll just keep doing that until I hit like 30 minutes, an hour. Um, or if I have nowhere, like if I'm uh, wherever I'm done, I'll just finish off that set and be okay. And then just kind of go on and go for a run and everything. And that'll be like my cool down would be the run. Okay. Yeah. So that's like kind of like a little bit of a warm up to prepare for the run. Or do you see the weightlifting days? <laughs> As a weightlifting day and then well, the run is more like the cool down to keep the flexibility. So like with the Yeah, so like with the strength training sessions with weightlifting, um, there's always that kind of discussion of like is it best to lift before you run or is it best to lift after you run? Um I, I like to just mix it up. I like to do both. So like if I'm going if I'm doing my strength training sessions Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or if I'm doing it Tuesdays or Thursdays on Tuesday, I'll do it before. And then Thursday I'll do it after. Um, it's just trying to just have that variety that way. Like I, like, I don't know. I just feel like if I do something the same way over and over again, I just, I get fed up with it. Like I, I don't like kind of like that repetition. I like to just kind of mix it up. Cause that's pretty much how ultra running is. I mean, nothing is very, like consistent it's just always so jagged you're always kind of going everywhere and there's multiple terrains you're covering so then like having your training kind of be like that is kind of i think it's beneficial 
Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like if some trail, if you don't know what a trail is or if it's not going to be the consistency of it's uphill first every time. So then why would you train your body to deal with uphill first every time? You need to be able to go yeah. downhill or flat, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I it, it's something that I've always been curious about is just trying to like figure out a ratio. And again, maybe it's my like analytical scientific mind, but the ratio of what weights what impact or how often weights should be incorporated for someone who's trying to get more serious about distant running yeah um well like a lot of it too i mean every day i mean everyone has their kind of set like set scheduled training day um but a lot of it is like i'll wake up that morning and if i have like that uh like a tempo workout or a fart lick or some threshold on tuesday and I'm not really feeling it that day, and I really just need like a casual run just to kind of recuperate and recover. Then I'll switch out those days. And I'll be like, you know what? I'll just postpone that workout till like Thursday, and that's okay. You know, it's not the end of the world. Um, it's just trying to have that moderation and listening to your body. And especially with the weight training, um, if really like you'd rather go for that run instead of that weight session, I'd definitely go for like go for the run and. and after the run, do some drills and, and like just having that substitute and being okay with that. It's, I think it's really good because then you don't kind of, you don't mentally kind of prepare yourself. Like I have to do this. I have to do this, this day, or like my training is off. Like it's off the rails <laughs> Yeah, when it's not. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. You're, you're very much yeah. into that flexibility mindset, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, it, it, see, that's, I don't know. It goes against my core principles. I like the, the more I analyze my own life, I'm like, I'm so fucking routine driven and like, I need this consistency and chaos and maybe I need to do some more random shit to just help me go with the flow instead of like feeling I have to be a seawall against waves, you know, like just feel the energy and be able to vibe with it versus like, this is correct. It must be this way. Yeah. Yeah. It's better to go with the current than against it. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's so simple. Such simple, good advice, man. Such simple, good advice. Um, I'm also curious, are you able to like, is this a full-time career for you? Ultra running and training? Um, so right. I would love to have it as a career. I'm hoping, you know, it kind of leads that way. Um, but right now, this is just, this is one of my big passions. I've been running since I was five. Uh, it's really like me as a Navajo, uh, like running is really big on the Navajo reservation. And it's pretty much like it instilled in our culture through a lot of our teachings and the stories and everything. So like, that's pretty much like the foundation of where kind of running, I found running. Um, and then ever since then, I've always just been intrigued by running i love what it teaches me and like it's definitely helped me become the person i am today um but yeah uh it's it's pretty special (laughs) um that it's amazing that you can do you have like part-time jobs are you part of the gig economy because how do you train to get to the ability i'm a manager at a sporting goods store and um so shoe discounts i pretty much yeah, yeah. No, they, they're receiving 
because I go through shoes like none other. So that really helps me out. <laughs> but I the goal it. is to hopefully have that shoe company, but we're going to, I'm working on it. <laughs> oh, gosh, you, gosh, you, gosh, you. Yeah. Okay. And is, are they pretty flexible with hours or do you have to figure out, yeah. like, do you have some weird sleep schedule where you can run for like eight straight hours and still get to a shift? I, yeah, I can do that, <laughs> but a lot of it is like, uh, so like I'll, I'll have my, tr my, uh, work week. So right when I get my work schedule, I'm basically plugging in my workouts around that work schedule yeah. and then being like, okay, now, um, but like a lot of a lot of, a lot of that is just discipline and you got to just stick to kind of that plan, like after I get off work, I need to go for that run. If I don't go for that run, that run is not getting done. Uh, yeah, it's just gone, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you have a scheduled amount of hours and you're like, all right, and you have a scheduled amount of hours of running to do throughout the week, you're just kind of like, okay, I, I need to get it in here. If not, I lost an hour. You know, it, it's just kind of one of those ones where it's like, okay, you know, if you're, if you want to go with your friends to this kind of a bar or something or to some event, you got to actually just be like, okay, I need this sleep or I need to go for this run. You know, I'll catch up with you guys later, but just not now, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how yeah. can you have it? So is it all straight sponsorship that would allow someone to just be a full-time ultra runner or are there like prizes that you win for winning races prize money, I guess is what I'm thinking. I'm sorry. You're uh, breaking out what you up say again. Here. I was wondering, can you, is it realistic to be like, I can be an ultra runner and make a livable income? Is it mostly like you have to seek sponsorships if you win a race? And I guess the reason I'm asking the masters, um, are you familiar with the Masters in Augusta, the golf tournament? Mm -hmm. A little bit. It looks like the Is this golf tournament? Is that what you said? Yeah. The internet looks like it's shitting on us again. I don't think so. Um, so the Masters, the, it was on CBS today. And like if you win the Masters, the dude wins $15 million. <laughs> and like he's sponsored to the T's, but he also has this prize money of winning the event you paused i don't know. hope everything's good <laughs> it's a rough patch i'm gonna blame you not me although probably it might be both of us <laughs> no motherfucker you're coming back slowly it says connecting oh can you hear me yeah i'm blaming you now second time's on you <laughs> I think I, and it froze again. Oh man, you do have, I feel like I'm going to take pictures of all your freeze faces because they are very unique and authentic. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. The gods are against us. My friend, the gods are against <laughs> us. No, I sometimes it's just squirrely, man. I appreciate you fighting through it. No worries. <laughs> Yeah, so what I was asking is the Masters, which is a pretty prestigious golf tournament, the dude who wins it gets $15 million just for winning it. Yeah. 
And of course he's sponsored, you know, like he's got the Nike logo, he's got the clubs, he's got five different logos on his polo. And I'm curious, like how realistic, not to like, like belittle or put shade on a dream of yours, but like, how realistic is it if you want to be an ultra runner that like, that could be your career or your main source of income? Um, I mean, a lot of it is like, cause like with me, I'm only 25 and I'm running with pretty much 40 year olds. <laughs> and like, oh, wow. so I feel like with, with how I am right now, I just feel like I just need to be patient and just learn from these guys that I'm racing with. And like, cause I mean, these, these guys are really awesome guys. And especially if I'm racing against people who are these big time sponsored athletes and are ultra running, you know, and they're living they're they're making their, they're doing the whole ultra running full time and making money off of it. And like, so with that, when I go on runs with them, I basically just try and learn from them and just kind of, um, see kind of through their lens, you know, their perspective, their whole thing. And then after that, just kind of like a lot of them, when they, I talk to them, they're just like, you just need to be patient. You know, you're still young and you're still developing. So I, I feel like it could be possible. It's just, I, I have to just keep being consistent and just keep working hard. I mean, it's almost like being a small business owner. It seems like where you just have to have that faith that all the time and effort you're putting in is going to pay off. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. For sure. I mean, just, knowing that with each session and everything, I mean, a lot of it too, I mean, it would, it's really nice to have, it, it would be really nice to have that. But a lot of it too, when I do this, it's, it's all for a lot. Like I think of running as medicine. So like when I'm training and everything, I'm, I do know that I am inspiring a lot of people and I'm hoping that I'm getting them also out that door on that trail, on that road as well. Um, but I just feel like, especially with, like with my family, uh, today I just did a 24 mile long run and, you know, some of my family came to just kind of watch me and like, just support me and, you know, be there for me. And I was like, this is really awesome, you know, to have like my family do that. And also people like the community that I'm around, just having them be like, you know, I really love the way you run, like ensuring me that, you know, you you have this talent, you know, and I'm just like, okay, you know, I, I gotta just keep on going. You know, if they're going to have that much faith in me, I must have that much faith in myself. I feel like. <laughs> got it. You got to at least meet it. Right. Like I have to at least meet <laughs> other people's belief in myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, um, that's kind of like where I'm at at this moment. Um, but just gradually working at it year by year. Um, dude, I'm shocked. I that- I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm shocked that you were like 40 year olds are like, is there a peak age for ultra running? Cause I think of the NBA and like, you're, you're basically headed into your prime 40 years old. You're older than LeBron James. Yeah. You're out of the league. Yeah. So that's why I was surprised when you said 40 year olds. Yeah. Um, these guys are, they're, they're the fittest of the fit. I feel like, and these guys don't mess around. They, they really, <laughs> I feel like they're just, they're really wise. They, they really know their terrain. They know what they're running and they're very calculated. And like, I, I don't know, like seeing them run and even then, like when I'm racing them or running with them, it's, 
it's awesome to see. I, I love it. Cause then I have nowhere. It's like, now I know how other people see me when I'm running, you know, when I watch them, I'm just like, wow, this is, this is so cool. Like I should be taking notes right now. Where's a notebook. Like, I don't know. I'm just like, wow, th- these guys are awesome. But like taking in that knowledge and learning from them is like the best part I feel like. And not even that, but like the trail community, we're so humble and we're so positive. And that's what I love all about it. Cause like the whole objective, no matter what in ultra running is just get, across that finish line and then have a beer or you know roll up a joint and talk about it and laugh about it you know laugh about those mistakes laugh about those times you bonked in that race it's okay because <laughs> right. then we just learn from it and we grow from it how, um how close have you had to like a a number two accident because that's always the big like giggle when we, <laughs> we have like a marathon down here and like the signs that the kids love to hold up is like don't poop your pants kind of a thing and i've never run enough yep. to like be seriously in question. And I'm wondering like, how how serious is that on the trails? (laughs) You just roll, (laughs) drop a deuce, let it roll or what? (laughs) Yeah. Well, like, I mean, that's why like, if you have a waist pack or if you're carrying a vest, always carry TP, always carry some type of thing, just because Uh... if you get stuck in that situation, you're not in that panic mode of being like, Oh Jesus, (laughs) I am praying to you right now. (laughs) you're you're really like oh okay i got it covered you know i have like tv or something and you're you're pretty much good to go got you so you've never been like pushing and i'm not trying to make you like tell an embarrassing story or anything but oh no i'm I'm trying to understand finishing a 50 i think i'd seen on there 50k or i know like dylan had done 100 milers and i'm assuming you've done 100 milers like and i've spoken to i want to say her name i'd found her up through naked and afraid but she wound up being an Uh ultra runner and you would like take naps and stuff like that. And I was shocked. at like, that's the point you run and you nap and you get up and then you roll. And I'm like, that makes no sense to me. So like our bathroom breaks, (laughs) just something that's like worked in that I'm going to stop at this moment in order to relieve myself. Um, Or is it just like, I mean, yeah, if you gotta go, you gotta go. Um, So that's what pretty much happened to me at uh, Red Hot 55K. That was in February. That's the one I placed 10th in. Uh, but that one, um, yeah, I needed to go to the restroom, and I looked at my waist bag, and it had TP. So I was like, oh, dang, I just got to, you know, pop a squat, and then be like, I'll, I'll wipe when I cross the finish line. We, we just got to make it work. <laughs> like, are people going by you, and it's infuriating at that point, or – do you just kind of have to accept it? Like, how, how do you not just, I guess like I'm thinking like of the ultra competitor being like, I'm not even going to stop. And you just like keep rolling to keep some sort of like weird pace, you know? Uh, I mean, I haven't been that determined to like win <laughs> a race like that to where it's okay if I shit my pants. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like, like, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to think about that because like i have nowhere i'm like thinking to myself like do i really like want to win this race or do i want to pop a squat and i'm definitely going to pop a squat i don't know i, I just don't want to run with poop in my shorts <laughs> yeah no i i i think that's the good call the right call and <laughs> yeah. the um civil call because then you think about even like the people behind you who's like exhausted yeah. and maybe they like are not looking <laughs> down at some point and can you imagine whatever you're 53k in 
and you're like just want looking for an excuse and you step in somebody's shit and you're like this is how it ends you know somebody slips down a trail <laughs> like your skin yeah. marks yeah that that would be a bad moment for sure <laughs> how um how big of a deal is it to be first versus finish and i guess not just from you or like community wise cuz you had said it was about like finishing but I know 5Ks, yeah. I really get pissed. I like, I know my limit and then I get in this pack and I start picking people yeah. I want to beat. And like, I can uh-huh. be okay with coming in like 12th as long as yeah. when I find my pace, whoever I think I should beat, I beat. If I don't beat them, then I okay. hate them. But then, you know, you have a beer and you like laugh about how bad they whooped you and you're like, you motherfucker, thought I had you around mile or whatever. <laughs> But I'm curious, are ultra runners competitive like that, where the places really matter? Yes, uh, especially if, like, I mean, if there's some races where, like, in order to, you know, qualify for this race, you need to place top two in this one or top three in this race. Um, So, like, yeah, there there are some times when, yeah, you got to compete. But a lot of it is, like, we, we do compete against each other, but... I mean, with me, how I think of it is like, I, I do compete, but I think that no matter what, like whoever's starting that race, we're all going to be going through the same pain. You know, it's not gonna Like, it's not going to be, we're not going to finish all at the same time, but we're all going to experience a lot of stuff. (laughs) And like, we're going to really be contemplating within ourselves and dealing with our demons and out of nowhere by the end of the, when we cross that finish line we know that you know we're okay you know we all yeah. did it together <laughs> so like i feel like either way like we we i feel like as ultra runners we just know that like we're gonna get in and we're gonna work really hard no matter what right when that gun or bell or whatever goes off to start the race you know we know that all of us we're all gonna put in our full 100 percent, and we're gonna do our best and did not do a dnf and we're gonna cross that finish line oh the dnf that's funny yeah this, yeah god talk about stigma oh is that that would be how have you dnf'd like did any injuries get you yes for sure i mean in ultra running you got you're gonna strike out you're gonna have those strikeout moments and you know a lot of it i definitely don't mind those strikeout moments because i feel like they teach me the most things like to like improve my training and everything but yeah like i've i've had i believe two dnfs i had one at uh it was the cheyenne mountain marathon like trail marathon i had a really bad it flare-up and i couldn't finish and then the other one was led to 100 i had to drop at mile 75 had 25 more miles to go, but my ankle was just not having it. It was it was not good. What's <laughs> so what's medic the pretty much called it, and we we were done. Oh, and I was wondering. So somebody actually had to stop it. Like you're able to seek treatment in a hundred miler. I yeah, you you can pretty much keep going, but then out of nowhere, like I wanted to keep going throughout my year and training and all of that too. So it was just kind of like further down the road if I wanted to, you know, be consistent and not worry about an injury, like lingering, lingering injury later on. I better just tap out of this race and, you know, just be thankful with the miles I did and just work on the next race. And that's pretty much what I did. 
were you able to be that pragmatic with yourself in the moment or did someone have to put those words in your head? Uh, no, I was, I definitely was telling myself that mainly just because, I mean, you definitely like, as I feel like as if you're wanting to be like that professional athlete, you want to be professional in what you do, you got to actually take those losses. You know, you got to actually just take those faults and be like, yeah, this is not, this is not the day. It's okay. Um, <laughs> let's work on it now. We know what, what we, what we need to work on and just kind of go from there. Um, gotcha. Yeah. That's, I would feel like that's super mature and a lot of foresight. Especially, I like, I didn't know you were 25. Like, that, to me, that's the whole, like, not that you have this personality, but the mentality of, like, fuck the world, I can do it, I'm tougher than this, all this, like, machismo yeah. and bravado that would lead to exactly what you said, which would be probably, like, six or eight months of, like, not being able to do anything just because you wanted to prove yourself in this moment. And, um, like, yeah. with the amount of miles you guys have to run to maintain shape, that would be devastating to lose months like that. I can't imagine. Yeah. What's the longest you've gone without running? <laughs> so I, the longest I've gone, I planned out a whole route and everything. It was in Gunnison. It was just over 160. Um, but yeah, I basically stashed a whole bunch of nutrients under bushes at certain sections and kind of just kept on going. <laughs> 160 miles. Was, yeah. Dude, I, and actually, I was asking the opposite. I was wondering your your longest stretch of not running. <laughs> like, just didn't go out oh. for a jog at all. Like, how many days, weeks, uh, or months have oh, you Oh, my not... bad. My no, bad. it's Sorry, okay. I was going to ask, too. The 160, that's, <laughs> no, my, that's insane. My longest, I, I believe, was about six months. Um, Whoa. It was like on and off a lot of the time. Like I wasn't really too consistent. Um, it was, I believe, my twenty second birthday. Um, I got, I got jumped in Denver, and my whole left side was just wrecked. And that whole time, it, it took a while for me to just kind of recover. That's that's why I had that IT band flare up, and uh, it was just a lot. But then, like after I finally kind of was able to. Um, kind of progress within my training that's when it kind of finally took off and i was like okay i think i'm finally okay now and like i had a few nicks after that still um especially like i, I uh this past halloween i sprained my ankle had a hairline fracture and then after that had covid and then <laughs> i had to drop out of i had to drop out of the dead horse 50k which was in january and i was like dang it and i was like well i I feel like I could still make the one, uh, no, it was in November. And then the January one was the arches 50 K and that's the one I got second in. So I was like, well, I'll just plan to get ready for the arches and see how it goes there. And it went fantastic. I went sub four there. I believe it went three hours and 53 minutes for the 50 K there. It, I, I have so many questions all on that timeline. Um, I, I want to go back to the, to the break part. Um, just because I guess, again, I think linear. So if you get jumped at 22 and you have to take some time off, were you hitting the times before that? Like when you were 20, 21, were, were you this type of runner that you are now or did the break somehow uh, help you? I feel like, I feel like the break really helped me. Like it, I don't know. I, 
definitely back then I had the times and I was fast, but I don't, I wasn't, I don't feel like I was as mature or like as experienced, you know? Yeah. Um, but then after that, after I really started to just kind of immerse myself into, you know, just distance running and just running in general, that's when I started to really just tap into it and be like, all right, it's, 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 it's a thing now. Like I got to really, <laughs> really pay attention to this now. Like I, when you hit up those miles and you rack them up, I mean, out of nowhere, you're just like, Oh my gosh, I just did all those miles. Like it's one of those ones where it's like, okay, now I can't afford to mess this up. You know, it's one of those ones where it's like, it's like a domino thing. You're setting yeah. up all those dominoes and you don't want to tip any one of those over just because of all those work, that hard work you put in. So definitely when I took that break, I definitely understood that when I do start up my training again, I got to keep it going. I got to keep consistent, you know, cause it, it was, that break was really, it was the worst time of my life. Like I hated it. Really? <laughs> cause like my therapy is running. Like therapy is like my meditation. Therapy is my medicine as well. So like when I wasn't running and like out of nowhere, like my family or, or other people, they're like, Oh, have you, are you running again? Or have you started running? And like, every time they come to that, I get in that depressive state where I'm just like, I know I should be running. I really want to run. I know. <laughs> so then like out of nowhere, when I finally had that chance to like go on with my training and start, start it back up to get back to where I was, I was all in. I was super excited, ready to work and ready to enjoy the journey. So, yeah. and still on the journey right now. That's something I wonder about too, is the amount of miles that y'all put in like the ultra runners. If you never get a break from it, do you almost like come to resent it in some form? Cause it's such a fucking grind. <laughs> uh, I feel like it's a day in the life. Like it, it, it's to a point now where like, I know it's hard. I know it's all of that, but it's something that I, I really do love. Yeah. Um, like, I definitely do. I need that daily dose of running every day. It's it's like my cup of coffee. I need to I need to have it, or I'm not going to be awake. You know, I'm not going to be the person that I want to be that day. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, it, is the getting jump story worth telling, or is that so traumatic I shouldn't even ask about it? Oh no, yeah. So like, I I got jumped on my birthday. I was in Denver, and yeah, it was like eight or nine guys. And they just wrecked my whole left side. It was, it was pretty rough, but I was, I was glad to be alive and I was glad to just recover from it. It was, it was rough. Like, did you at least get the girl's number that you were going for? Like, was her boyfriend a total jerk? Yeah. <laughs> no, I just turned a street corner and they just got me. Your chain and everything, because you seem very modest with your attire. It was, was it <laughs> well, like they, they took a they took my phone and uh, my ID and that was it. And out of nowhere, when I uh, when the paramedics and the, the paramedics like came to saw me and everything were helping me out. Um, that's when the police were there, and that's when they were like they had I guess some recent gang initiation, like they were. There were other jumps, uh, and it was like a gang initiation. So I guess I was just a part of it. So, dude, that sucks. Yeah, see, that's I don't know, man. You think of Den I've I've been to Denver um, once actually uh, 
ran four miles and then ran two tenths of a mile on purpose just to have it on my Garmin that I ran 420 in Denver, you know? Yeah, but, there you go. <laughs> it, was just, it was so stupid, but like I went for the dog and I was like, how can you not? Right. But it was, it was this beautiful lake place. I forget what the lake was called. Um, but it was um, on the other side. I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll fuck it up because I can't remember. But it was one of the like ghetto spots that was kind of getting gentrified. Maybe Shoal or Sloan Street. It was like two miles from the stadium. But it's easy. If you went to the lake, it was beautiful and all these like almost million dollar looking homes. And if you took a left instead, it was like, like, like poor. There was poverty. <laughs> And it's so beautiful out there, man. And it's such a shame that like that type of energy can't be put into going for a fucking trail run and appreciating nature yeah. versus you got to jump yeah. somebody that you don't even know and fucking wreck six months of their lives so that you can be part of a gang. Like it's sad, man. It's, and I don't know. It's just sad. Yeah. Life takes a crazy turn, but if you just, you just kind of enjoy the journey and just, like I said, just go with the current, don't fight against it, and just kind of work on with it. I mean, it's kind of like an arm game. You know, you got to play with the card you've been dealt and see how it goes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. You can't be upset if you have three fours or something like that because you being nope. upset doesn't do anything about it. Gotcha. Um, you had what said was that? nothing. I was, the internet's a little unstable. Um, so we'll see if it, kicks off again I do have to take a picture of your face at one point I'm going to get my camera ready not to embarrass you but to laugh with you socially <laughs> no worries <laughs> Dude, yeah, so like, oh, no, like, every time I bring it up I'm like alright uh, <laughs> something happened no I don't yeah I really don't know my internet looks decent every once in a while like on my zoom you'll go like red right now you're at yellow and I guess good is white. Um, I'm, I'm assuming like right then you're on white. I'm assuming you're on like data out there, right? There's no like Wi-Fi. Yeah, I'm on data. Yeah. I, I don't have Wi-Fi. Gotcha. Yeah, man, it just happens. We'll deal with it. Um, yeah. No, I was um, I was just saying basically like the mentality, the analogy with cards is great because like your emotions can get in the way of making decisions and optimizing yeah. the moment versus being pissed that you didn't get whatever, a jack, like I, I fucking really needed a spade right now. And you're like, no, what? focus on what you got. Focus on what's next. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Timbo is reconnected with us. We had some technical difficulties. He was a champ and went through like six different Zoom connects a week ago, but you were kind enough to come back on, man. I really do appreciate you um, taking the time to let us finish up our conversation. Yeah, thank you. Yep, I'm excited so the audio, I was telling you, the audio is kind of jumbled up, but it's something interesting that I didn't know about. Um, and I wanted to actually hear about it, the Navajo running tradition. And mm -hmm. there were basically two aspects that I kind of was able to get through the garble of the zoom, which was, it's a, um, something about like females jogging and like, that's their, it's how like children get to adulthood. And then also about yeah, like so running towards the, the day. I'm sorry. Yeah, let me let me shut up and let me listen to you. So yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> no, so it's called the Kinalda, and it's pretty much like a Navajo puberty ceremony. So right when um, the male or female hits puberty, they have a Kinalda. 
And that's pretty much just a kind of like the quinceanera of um, like the Navajo thing. Um, just kind of celebrating that you're emerging from childhood into adulthood. So like with in the Navajo culture, that's a very pivotal part in the Navajo culture. Because um, then you like there's four stages. There's the childhood and then there's your teenage, adulthood, and then old age. Everything goes in fours within the Navajo culture. So that's how, like, it's a really big pivotal point. Um, so that's why we run. Uh, in that time, the woman, uh, she goes out however long, however fast she wants. It's her run. It's her time to really just connect and pray to the creator and kind of just have a discussion with themselves on, you know, what kind of ancestor they want to be. Um but yeah, it's it's really nice. I love how powerful it is, and it. I just feel like it also just makes a stronger connection towards yourself. You know, pray about what kind of ancestor you want to be. So, well, that's what I think of it. Think about it. You know, because when you think of like in the Navajo culture, we always want to pass on. We want to carry on. You know, and that's what my ancestors have always done. You know, and through the songs, through teachings, through the Navajo running culture. Um, to where now it's like, I learned that from my ancestors. And I always ask myself, you know, what kind of ancestor do I want to be? Kind of like my three Ps, my purpose is basically what kind of ancestor I want to be. And that's just to inspire and teach people through running. You know, it's, I feel like running is one way I can connect to not only just myself, but everyone in society. It doesn't matter what ethnic background or whoever you are, you know, running is so universal and it's like a universal language to where you can really connect and bond with one another. Um, so that's how like, that's like, that's the kind of ancestor I want to be, you know, I want to be able to at least, you know, every time I get done with a run, I have that person saying, you know, thank you for that run. I really needed that in my life. You know, it's something. Um, so I coach middle school basketball and I act like it's a big deal. I take it way too seriously. Um, not in a negative way, but in like a preparation way. And like, I want kids to have yeah. a good experience way. You know, it, it's like a hobby. And um, it's something that we always come back to. And in America, it was like, thank God we had sports to help us with equality. Because when you play a sport, when you're out there, it's so little about who you are. It's more about like what you can do and how you act, right? Yeah. And I, I just, I, it's interesting that that's part of what you're connecting with because that's what I honestly love about sports. It's like, dude, it doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your childhood, doesn't matter yeah. your like experience last night, doesn't matter the home you're coming from, doesn't matter the money in your bank account. Like, can you run? Can you hoop? <laughs> it's, yeah. really, it's a, it's a really much. cool thing, you know? It is a really cool thing. That, I'm sorry, that's just side tangent. I just, I, I, I love the message. and. That seems so deep at an early age. Do you remember <laughs> what you were thinking of on your run about the type of ancestor you want to be? Because that seemed, again, like that's so serious for a teenager. Yeah, well, like that question really popped into me my like freshman year of college. Um, but really, it was just kind of what kind of type of role model. And that role model turned into what kind of ancestor when I went into college. Um, but really, what kind of role model I wanted to be was just that leader, that one that, you know, when people think of, you know, running or anything, they thought of me, you know, it was one of those, that, that type of connection I had with people to a point where it's like, okay, I know what I need to do with my life. You know, I know how to touch these people and help them and I can help that help them through running. Do you yeah. know why running became like a thing for the Navajo? 
um uh it's pretty much like uh, how it all got structured into is um the uh Navajo teaching it's called uh well the whole phrase is pretty much which is greeting the sunrise it's an early bird gets the worm type of teaching so you get up early before the sun and you run to the east and when you're running you're praying and communicating with the creator thanking them for the beautiful day that you're about to experience and everything and um through that time and after you turn around you do your morning yell and that's pretty much the whole structure i feel like with within the navajo culture of always you know before you begin your day before you even do something that's very pivotal you know to your life it's good to connect with the creator it's good to go for that run it's good to you know pray it's good to sing those songs it's good to you know have those little like moments where it kind of grounds yourself and prepares you I'm just, and it's not like disrespectful, but I'm so interested in like the choice. If you just think about how people could go about doing something to connect with the earth, like why running, why running towards a sun? You know, like I, I never heard yeah. it before, but it's, it, it, I don't know, like why not like lift something, right? Or why not go out and like hunt? Yeah. It seems so like introspective um, and yeah. um, humble you know well that's what running definitely does it running seriously humbles you up to a point where it holds yourself accountable you know it really holds yourself accountable to a point where you know when i'm running when i'm in that pretty much deep meditation of thought you know i'm i'm really thinking about my life and out of nowhere by the end of the run i'm just like wow okay i kind of analyze something to a point where i can actually improve myself um just having that little time to just that little time of humbleness. <laughs> Do you, how important is the, like your Navajo heritage to you? Um, I, it's very crucial to me. Uh, I, I respect it and I admire it a lot. Um, and, you know, it really got me in touch with running. Um, Cause like through the culture, through everything, you know, if I had any issues, it was always go for a run, go for a run. And like, and even then, uh, within my culture with, within the tribe, it's, it's almost as if like, you know, as your tribe, you're one big family. So I, I always wanted to never let my people down. Dude, that's, it, it's so funny. The, and I don't know funny again and like not in a disrespectful way, but just the advice of, oh, you're going through something, go run. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. it seems <laughs> so well, it's, basic. It's a lot but... better than contemplating and dealing with that frustration. Sometimes when you, when people feel that anger, they act on that anger, you know, and mm. we're all, you know, we all hold ourselves accountable for that. We all had that action, you know, and it's a healthy thing to a point, you know, to draw that line. But like, there's some times when instead of acting out on anger, instead of doing something, why don't you just go for a run and think about it first, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude, that's a great point. I never thought about that. And I mean, I exercise yeah. somewhat regularly. I feel like it helps me mm -hmm. to keep a lot of emotions in check. Um, but yeah. I'm to the point now where I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go for a four mile jog. Like I have a very specific routine that I follow. Mm -hmm. 
I can't imagine like, wow, this is a 20 mile problem that I got to go through. And I'm a little upset. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is just like a half sprint, right? Half, half a mile sprint and I'll be good. My frustration will be out. So it's funny that, you know, like I could just imagine the different distances and do you need to go uphill? And all of a sudden you're going uphill and you realize, man, my problem's not that big of a deal. Or for you, like today, the weather was kicking your butt and it puts into perspective if you're upset about whatever, it's like, well, now I'm cool. And you can like end it and be grateful for just your homeostasis, for being alive, for surviving. Um, it's, yeah. I, I never thought about it in that way, but that's such a, that's just such a cool mentality to have. Not even that, but I feel like it also keeps your peace. Um, I feel like everyone needs that peace in their lives. Just that, that little area, you know, in their head, you know, that little nice room where they're, they're ultimately no matter what comfortable, you know, and for me, that's running like that's, that's my, that's my home. That's, <laughs> that's my point where like, I can actually get a lot of stuff thought out and doing all of it. That's my piece. That's my meditation. So like, I mean, it doesn't have to be running strictly for everyone. You know, a lot of people yeah. it's for, it's drawing a lot of people. It's, you know, being that entrepreneur and you know, doing those inventions, uh, doing anything like that, you know, rather be softball, any other type of sport, as long as you find your, your home, your sense of peace, you know, that's, that's where you actually live that pleasant life, you know, and everyone deserves to live that pleasant life. Yeah. Unless they find it in that bottle or something, you know, like that's the weird balance that, that addiction starts creeping in is man, I had a rough day. I need to relax. Let me grab some wine. Let me get a drink. Hey, I'm going through something. Let's meet up for a drink. And it's like, it, it can snowball on people pretty quickly, man. Yes, it it can for sure. And a lot of the times it's, it's one of those, you know, instances where, you know, if you, sometimes you've got to go off that, you know, off that path just to kind of get, get you that, you know, that knowledge, that experience to a point where it's like, all right, I've been down this road, you know, and now, you know, I, I don't like it. You know, that wasn't me and let's get on and go through it. And that's what I appreciate, uh, you know, because especially through running, I've met a lot of people. They were addicts. They were all of that. They did have those issues. But then out of nowhere, they channeled that anger. They yeah. channeled all of their emotions through running. They they just push it all into that. And now they're healthy. They're happy. You know, they're not as depressed. They're not as anxious. They're not even on any substance that they were on. Yeah, well, it's, um, and I'm not super scientific with it, but that's the whole runner's high thing without any supplements, mm-hmm. right? Like it's almost like the human body was conditioned to have an increased heart rate <laughs> and to move faster than when you walk and to drip a little sweat. <laughs> and it does something, the pounding or the rhythm, like things are released through the strenuous process and it, it, it it's runner's high for a reason. And instead you think about what drinking or addiction does it's almost the opposite. You become completely sedentary and it's like those toxins yeah. build up in you and there's no release for them. So to be able to find that release in that, that healthy way, it's like, it's what you were created to do. Your body create. it's like a, a flower needs light. It's almost like the human body needs movement. Yeah. When you get down that road, you definitely get trapped into that abyss. And a lot of the times, like how I, how I reference those people, um, like running was their way to escape that abyss. Uh, and that's, that's always important. 
and like usually right when you find that one thing that that one little moment where you know it's like oh cool this is this is what i want to do in my life that's my purpose that's where it just gets so i'm so fascinated with that because then you really start to see the growth it's kind of like a seed and out of nowhere right when it gets watered that thing just grows up like a weed (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you keep mentioning the runner's environment and around here with 5ks and my daughter's in sixth grade and she's doing track so it's like middle school meets and you know like some whatever you do 800 meters and um there's always a couple kids that you just know are gonna get dusted and nobody gets more support than the kid who doesn't quit. Like you're, you're, you're whatever, like it's four. So a 1600s, four laps around a track. And like, you almost get lapped and you're out there by yourself for that last lap. And you're like, wow, everyone else finished so easy to quit. But then the crowd starts cheering. The people who have completed the race start cheering for the person. Then you see their face get like that. They get a little kick to them. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you could look at it like, yeah, I'm the biggest loser. Or you could look at it like, wow, I accomplished something. I I persevered. And it seems like running Mm -hmm. just gives you a chance to have a victory every time. Even if you don't PR, it's like, I finished. And the community is so good. And uh, the way you learn from it. Uh, you really do learn from that experience to a point where you're like, okay, you know, I'm not alone or, you know, be like, all right, cool. I do have the support and I will always have that as support, you know, as long as I just don't give up and, you know, not give up. Yeah. I was, I wanted to ask if you had something that you wouldn't mind sharing. Do you have like a, a thing you process through running that you were happy about like do you have like kind of like this hey i was going through this difficulty and then while i was running i figured something out it's kind of a story that you wouldn't mind sharing um yeah uh definitely when i uh it was high school graduated and then i went on into college and that was a very big transition for me um living you know, inside the reservation, it's a whole different world or living around the res on the outskirts of the reservation, Navajo reservation, um, living in that environment. It was, it was a, it's a complete 180 when they have nowhere you go to outside the reservation to like Gunnison or Denver, you know, it's a complete 180. Every, the whole philosophy, how people perceive things, everything is just different. Um, Can so I- that's where I have nowhere. When I went to college, it was, it was, a total like 100% learning experience. I was really now instead of being like, okay, I know what type of Navajo I am, or you have to be a certain way, or, you know, it was, I started thinking and really, I don't know, it was kind of like a whole big moment for me where when I went into the library, I started reading books of my culture and all the Navajo books. I just went through that whole section and it was so crazy because then I started seeing old pictures of where, you know, where I grew up, Shiprock and everything, when it was in like the 1930s, 1940s. And I was like, oh, like, oh my gosh, like now it's not like that. But people out of nowhere outside the reservation, they're reading those books and they're thinking it's just like that. <laughs> and then I'm, nowhere, I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, holy cow, like these guys are no wonder I get asked when I step off the reservation, do you live in teepees? Or, you know, and I got correct and being like, no, we live in Hogan's. You know, some of us do still live in Hogan's, but some of us live in actual modern homes. Uh, you know, there's that flip type of perception. I'm like, oh, dang, you know, and out of nowhere, I think it's like, out of nowhere you're like okay well you know out of nowhere like okay every i'm thinking every white person has a suburb you know modern home but that's not the case you so know you have you to, <laughs> oh yeah, you're so right you must have a riding tractor 
like how they're like, oh, cool. You know, you're thinking, you know, based off of a race or based off yeah. of, because when I went into college, it was all about that, you know, especially in running every college coach or that tried to recruit me in high school. They're like native runners. They don't really last that long in college. We don't really want to recruit you, you know? Hmm. And it's like, all right, somebody, I hope somebody takes a chance on me type thing. I, I mean, and out of nowhere, when I got that chance, it was, it was like, I gotta, I can't let him down. I can't do, you know, I gotta, I gotta be this type of person. And then as I grew on year by year and developed in college, I, I started to really just think of stuff as just a human being, you know, everyone's human, everyone's, you know, and I learned that through running when I was running, I would have those thoughts being like, why am I always like gearing towards or striving towards some type of status? Why can't I just be myself? Why can't, you know, if I be myself, I don't, I get made fun of, or I do all of this, you're that whole doubt, doubting, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's where it, it was really frustrating and through running, I was able to kind of, I guess, process my emotions and being like, all right, you know, I, I definitely overthought this, you know, <laughs> it was one of those ones where it's like, I, I overcomplicated a lot of stuff, you know, and as I started to progress into my training, I, I applied that type of philosophy towards life and it really worked out for me. I mean, I started to really um, trust a lot more people. I was able to really kind of let people in instead of shut people out and keep people away. Cause I was always afraid of getting hurt. Um, Cause through my childhood, I went through a lot of abuse, physical abuse, all of that stuff. So like I was very defensive and it, it's just, it was a very negative and hard lifestyle. But then out of nowhere through running, I was able to just kind of make peace with all of the demons that I had within me. And now it's just like, all right, you know, if, I have these flashbacks because they come out of nowhere. Like I still have flashbacks when I was a kid when I was getting beaten and it just pops up in my head. But you got to learn how to deal with those emotions and being like, you know, that was a long time ago and this is just a memory. It's just a flashback. You know, it happens. Um, I'll just go for a run the next morning and I'll be fine. (laughs) Dude, that's a, I mean, it's wow to channel it that way. I just, as a school teacher, you see kids and you never know why they act out, but you know, there's something there that's leading to them acting out. And, um, for you to process it in that way, instead of, um, again, I don't know, go into a bottle. So many people, you just want to, you just want to stop, right? You you want the bad memory to stop and like, you almost drink to black out for a reason or you do drugs. Oh to yeah, get for sure. For I mean, I've reason. done that too, where like you always, you always try and find something. Everyone's trying to find that cure and like, yeah, I tried the bottle and it, it's awful <laughs> for me at least. Cause I have nowhere. Like I, I try and get trashed and then the next morning I'm trying to run, but I'm cramping up. I'm throwing up. I feel horrible <laughs> to where I'm arms like, all right, this is not good. I need to stop doing this. I need to really discipline myself now. Yeah, to process. That. But what really, that's why like now it's like, that's why I love cannabis so much. Like I have nowhere. I finally found the medicine that I needed for my life and mm. it's helped me tremendously. Um, like when I first tried it and everything and I incorporated it into my training, 
you know, there's friends and everybody thinking I was crazy and some of them being like, yo, that's awesome. I'm so glad you're doing that. Like more people need to be doing that. And you get the whole like full spectrum of responses of being like, good job. No. Or being like, dude, you're going to screw up your running career. This is not going to be good. <laughs> or out of nowhere, they gave me those things where it's like, what if you enter a championship race and they want to test you and you fail and have nowhere you like lose something or, you know, um... and I'm like, well, you know, if that happens, you know, you just learn from it. If it happens, it happens. Right when it's done, it's done. It's kind of like when you cross that finish line, you cross that finish line. Whatever time you hit, you hit. You know, you can't really, like, go back in time and change it. You know, just focus on getting ready for that next race and improving. Was there any sort of, like, no pun intended, but stigma um, associated in the Navajo culture with pot and part of your training? Was that, a, like, a <clears throat> battle for you at all? Or you had to explain uh, anything to yes. people? For sure, especially when I graduated from college and came back to the reservation, like leaving to help my people and everything, everyone was so stoked. But then after I was in college, everyone, you know, throughout the years, people just kind of lose touch and all of that. And coming back as a cannabis athlete, as a cannabis runner, yeah, they, they were out of nowhere just being like a star. You came back and all you did was smoke weed and run. And how are you going to help the people with that? <laughs> but it's kind of like, well, there's a very educational part. I, there's a process and I want to be able to show you guys this process. And it's just kind of breaking it down for them like that. Uh, but yeah, I definitely still feel that stigma. Um, I always try to tell them that I'm a cannabis athlete and be like, well, we'll use cannabis to support our overall health and wellness. And I'm uh, using that knowledge to educate and redefine the fitness life, you know, that way you're not taking prescription uh, pills or if I have nowhere, when you open your mirror cabinet, you see all those orange bottles, you know, yeah. that's very depressing. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. But then out of nowhere, if you flip that and be like, you know, instead of having that, why don't you have some tinctures? Why don't you have, you know, replace those orange bottles with a little bit of weed so you know, different strains that help different things you know how, what that would be a really helpful and beneficial medicine cabinet rather than one that's fully orange you know that has labels saying and you know all those side effects and warnings and everything i mean it just I'm just doesn't make sense no no what dude when it, it doesn't pass the say it out loud test right and that's something i'm mm -hmm. trying to teach my daughter is we get all these emotions like, all right, all right, well, I'm just going to say it out loud and tell me where you land. Right. And then you just start okay. like being rash. So there are eight, 10 year old girls walking around at 11 o'clock at night by themselves on a Friday. Are, are we happy with that or no? She's like, okay. Well, yeah, that doesn't make a little bit of sense. I'm like, yeah. So if y'all are going to go hang out and you want some space, that's cool. I'm going to track you. I'm going to stalk you. Like we're not to the point yeah. where y'all can just be on your own yet. And it's like, okay, I see what I see what you're saying, right? When you do that with the pot to pills argument, like, so we're okay with all these synthesized prescription drugs because we believe the government is ultimately knows what's going to happen with all these side effects versus something that grows naturally <laughs> and is cheaper <laughs> that you could even have yourself and you wouldn't have to be dependent on like prescriptions and payments and it, hmm maybe we could at least think about that right like it, it's very weird yeah. that there food is for thought you know <laughs> yeah when you say it out loud and and this again might be uh, probably is my ignorance but i'm surprised it was met with that from like people from from your tribe because i would think if anything they'd be pro 
natural pro nature wouldn't that be like part of the culture or am i not not real i mean if you well i mean back in the day it was like on every reservation you had the ihs which is indian health services um and a lot of it if you like every time a, a lot of people don't like going there um mainly because you walk you go in you walk out with some pills you're always walking out with something a medical prescription pill like out of nowhere you have a whole bunch to where it's like we're literally like the that hospital service is literally just flooding these, you know, this native community with pills. And now you have some of them who are addicts. You have some of them who are drunks. You have all of this stuff, but out of nowhere, it's like there's no help after the fact. You know, there's no, no there's no real counseling. There's no real like program to actually help them. There's no real type like action in a way too. So out of nowhere. You know, that's behind the scenes to a point where it's like, okay, now we need to, you know, kind of figure out what we need to do. And it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's just so hard because on the other side too, like personally, every time I go in there, there's even one doctor that was seeing me and he literally just told me he was there to clear his student loans. He didn't, because <laughs> oh, no if you go as a doctor or a nurse or anything, if you go and help out on the reservation at a hospital, your student loans and everything get paid. It's cleared. It's paid off and all of that. But they they only need to be there for a certain amount of years. But like, that's literally what they think of. It's like, oh, I just need to be there. I don't I don't need to care about the patient's well-being or health or anything. I just need to do what I'm told, do my job requirements, yeah. and then I have my student loans and everything paid for, and I can go back home and you know, sleep a full eight hours with no regrets. <laughs> yeah, dude. And, and for doctors, I mean, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars if they, if they yes. are student loaning through the whole thing. Yeah. Dude, that's And terrible. it's, it's crazy. Like I, I heard, I heard it from that doctor, um, when I was in high school and it still is in my mind till this day. Cause now I'm like, now I know, you know, and even then, like I'll, I'll hear some of when I was in college, some kids who are in pre-med program, they're like, oh yeah, I wanted to help out and everything. That way I can get my student loans paid. And I always try to remind them, like, it's not just about the student loans though, please. Like yeah. it's some serious issues there. You really need to stick it, take a step back, put aside that ego and really look, look through that lens, you know, and seeing what these people are going through because not a lot of people are doing that. Um, and that's, that's why we still have these problems today. Yeah. God, that's ter that's terrible to hear. I was wondering who who the subsidy is, and again, it, it's super negative, and I'm not um trying to like paint you as a um researcher of reservations or anything or tribes like that. But oh no, I'm not a researcher. I just go off of experience. Everything yeah. that I've heard, everything that I've you know been through, it's just kind of like yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like yeah, I I don't like prescription. I don't even take ibuprofen. I don't even take Tylenol. <laughs> What, I, I've gone so up to a point where it's like now I, I really just want plants and that's okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now like, I'm not even going to the doctor anymore. <laughs> right. And like, why is it okay for your diet? Right. Why can you go vegan and there's all these positive health effects? Right. And you, you think about what's the first thing diet and exercise, diet and exercise, diet and exercise. Oh, you feel like shit. Here are some pills. 
like, yeah. maybe we could go with the diet. Like, oh, you need exercise. to lose weight? Here's a pill. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, you need to like you need to get faster? Take this pill. Oh, you want to recover faster? Take this pill. Like you want that head like that pain to stop? Take this pill. Take yeah. this. Take it twice a day, but don't go over 20 milligrams. But then when they get hooked, they need that 40 milligrams because they have a tolerance and it builds up like that to where it's it's hard. It's frustrating to watch. <laughs> Dude, well, like, and part of me and what I was asking or thinking about with the um, Native American, like, I guess lens, and I, I don't know how to ask sensitive questions well. And I always get very fearful when I'm talking to people about something I perceive as sensitive that I'm going to offend them. But I, I think of how much I've read about how the U.S. government, like, they're like fucking Putin. Putin's like, and I'm not going to invade the Ukraine. And then two weeks later, dudes in the Ukraine, like it's just a long history of the U S government flat out lying. And when you talked about these centers, I immediately thought who's funding them, right? Like what's the benefit? Is that like another thing the U S government's doing to be like, Hey, we're helping. But in reality, it's for a selfish cause. It's not really like a help. Um, thing. Well, I mean, it's just the whole history thing. This is a this has been going on for a long time. I mean, it's been going on since the Navajo Long Walk. Um, and the Navajo Long Walk, it's kind of like the Trail of Tears of Cherokee for the Cherokee, but for the Navajo, it was the Navajo Long Walk. And they went um, through all the way um, past Santa Fe, and it was like one of the routes was over 500 miles long. And they had to go there because they had to go to that specific camp because they were, if not, they were going to be complete genocide. That's how every reservation worked. Like if they, if we did not go on that reservation, we were going to get completely annihilated, completely murdered. That was our pretty much a live zone. (laughs) And that's what started the whole thing. And like reservations literally saved native tribes. It wasn't like, oh, you know, this piece of land is yours and yours alone. No, that like we if you wanted to stay alive, you better stay in that land. Like you better stay in that circle. It was one of it was pretty much at that point. And out of nowhere, it's like, we'll provide you hospital services and everything, but you better stay in that reservation, you know? <laughs> it's it's been going on. It's an endless cycle to a point where it's like, all right, you know, um, I'm hoping if anything, I can change change it in some type of way through running. But I mean, like that, it's going to take years. It's going to take time. Um, kind of reason why I'm really wanting to inspire the youth and do whatever I can to help any Native American development program, you know, really trying to see if I can pass on that knowledge, you know, because it's not like it's not going to get solved in my lifetime. It's going to get solved in probably like in the next generation, you know, a few generations. Um, so that's mainly what I'm thinking of. It's like, well, this issue will definitely not get solved in my lifetime, but I'm hoping I can inspire the little ones to where they can, you know, kind of pick off where I left off or is there something in that way? Is there any sort of like underswelling about like bringing back social services? Like you had said about, there is no aftercare. You get some pills, you go away. The doctor's gone a couple of years. So the person, when you're eight years old, you go to the doctor, you break an arm, you see him. And then like at 12, you see another person that sucks, right? Like most of the time you want a doctor who knows your history. (laughs) They know what you're about. That's how they can make an informed decision. So what I'm wondering is, are there people who are looking to come back and be like, dude, we need more counselors that can relate 
to our people. So you go maybe get a degree or two, you open up some offices. Yeah. Are, are programs like that popping up? Um, they, they're out there. It's just, it's also kind of hard because with all that trauma, with all that, you know, <laughs> negative experience that each tribe has gone through and even then the Navajo tribe, um, it's very hard to even like, even if they do get that degree or they are a successful native, um, if they don't know their language, if they don't have nowhere, no, you know, certain Navajo songs or anything and can't speak in their native tongue, the tribal council have nowhere are for some reason feel threatened and do not put that person on because they don't know their Navajo culture. They don't know their Navajo language, which is kind of hard because with back in the day, you had boarding schools with assimilation and, you know, you had them pretty much beat the native students if they spoke their Navajo language mm. and out of nowhere now, Till this day in 2022, you have to speak Navajo to be a councilman in order or in order to run for Navajo president or something. You got to know your culture. You got to know the Navajo way. And I just don't like that because I have no words like, how are we supposed to modernize? You know, of course, this person really cares about their culture, you know, really wants to help these people. If they don't know their Navajo language, well, why don't during that presidency or during that whole time, why don't you teach them? while they're actually helping the people. Why not do that? But out of nowhere, none of them have thought of that. <laughs> Dude, that's, yeah. And I, I don't know much about like converting to Judaism, but I know it's a process where you have to like, you, you, you're learning how to be a Jew and it's arduous. It's not like, hey, here's a two week course, you're done. But it, it takes a real commitment. But then afterwards you are a Jew. And I, I am surprised, especially if someone had heritage. I, I I don't know. Like, I, I wonder, like, if someone like me, I don't think I have any Native American connection. I'm from, I believe, like, straight up Ireland, <laughs> right? So, like, mm -hmm. heritage doesn't matter a ton to me. So that's why I get interested yeah. in people who have strong heritage, cultural connections. I can understand yeah. maybe being like, dude, I don't know about this Irish thing. Like, where it's Navajo is a Navajo. You need to have a connection in order to claim it. But if people who had connections and yeah. had connections and then the world like you're saying, beat it out of them. I would think you would want to bring people back to where they were from to in, to encourage them to be a part of what got lost in their lives. That is odd mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's such a confusing bubble. I feel like, cause it, if it's not one thing, that's another, like it's, it's very, you're basically like, walking on glass and with each crack you're just kind of holding your breath <laughs> was it a big decision for you to want to go to a and like what do i call it like a non-reservation college or is there some sort of um, to for leave? me it was uh because i mean you can definitely go to inside there's colleges and universities inside the reservation there's also like um outskirt colleges that will grant a native free tuition if they go to that, if they attend that college, because it was on a reservation. Um, but I wanted to just kind of really experience the outer world. Like I have nowhere, like I love running and I picked Western State Colorado University. It's Western Colorado University now, but I chose that because it was in the heart of the mountains. Um, there were a ton of trails and the people 
were very, very amazing. Um, they, they interested me a lot because out of nowhere, it was like, it doesn't matter if you're a specific thing. It didn't matter. Like I have nowhere, as long as you love the anything outdoors, you were fine. Like it, it didn't matter. And that's what I loved about it. Well, I don't know. It's like, okay, cool. You know, I could try climbing. I cool. I could try climbing. I could try this. I could do this. And out of nowhere, it was, it was to a point where it's like, Oh, nice. And I was able to experience outdoors, not just with running, but with other stuff. Cause now like I, I love disc golfing. I love rock climbing. <laughs> I love the boulders. And now it's like, I don't just run anymore. I actually, you know, based after going to that college, I have other hobbies now just in case, you know, like I have nowhere if I'm super sore and I don't really want to go for that running session, but I do need to get outside. I'll go disc golfing instead, you know, or I'll go bouldering instead and have that as like a little side cross training. What's bouldering? It's pretty much like rock climbing, but you're not, you're not like off on the line and everything. Oh, okay. So you're yeah, just you just pretty much up. have a crash pad and then you just schedule out routes and you just kind of complete those routes. Okay. Yeah, I've, mm-hmm. Delaware's high, and where I live, the highest elevation um, goes up 53 feet, and it's a gradual hill. <laughs> like, it's so flat nice. here, man. So, like, a lot of people, we got disc golf in our state parks, but um, it's hard for me with some of the lingo. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really feels like you were, at, at, like, this time of the choice, like, you were labels, like, you were kind of feeling boxed in, or, like, for some reason, labels mattered a lot to you. And, <laughs> well, it didn't, it didn't really matter to me, but it mattered to other people. Like if I wanted to get into college, these guys, like these people who were looking at my paper, I had to be a certain way. I had to be, you know, it, it was to a point where, especially on the reservation, you know, you have a scheduled Navajo session class and like in elementary school, I had a specific Navajo section class and like it, that was it. And then after that, it was all all like the elementary stuff, and then like to be to get those scholarships, you had to have this this GPA, you had to have this, you had to have all of this. So like it was all based off of that label and status, where it's like, okay, if I actually have to be successful, I have to do this. You know, I don't want to do it, but I got to do it. <laughs> it was it was a lot, and a lot of it too was just like this is not really like I would love to help people. And I don't know where, but it's like, but I want to do it through running. I don't want to do it through a specific kind of, like everyone says you need to have a degree. There's no degree in running. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't know. I'm like, oh, dang it. So I got to find a degree. And that's where I was like biology. I love biology. Uh, I really, I'm it's like an, intrigued on the human body. I love plants. So I basically went in for biology and then after everything that I learned, I applied that through my running and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now let's see what we can do. <laughs> Dude, that makes total sense. Like I'm surprised more people who are going to be professional athletes don't either go with straight business degrees or just straight like biology. Let me learn like physical therapy type stuff about like injury yeah. prevention and understanding mm-hmm. how muscles and tendons and ligaments work and ranges of motion and stuff like that. Like I'm really surprised that those aren't just the pathways if you want to be a professional uh-huh. athlete. Yeah. And even then, like I, I just, I kind of just try to also take, take a different approach to a point where like, 
everyone always, uh, even as a professional athlete, they always have these coaches, you know, but then like, if you're a professional athlete, I always feel, well, if you're professional, shouldn't you do it yourself? <laughs> you're professional, shouldn't you, you know? So like with me, I was like, that's why I have so many role. I have different foam rollers and everything. And like from everything that I've learned in college, I just applied it to my training to a point where it's like, okay, you know, I know how to, I, I can be my own physical therapist. I can be my own coach. I can be all of this because I learned from all these coaches. I learned from all these professors and being like, okay, I kind of know now how to do a productive training year and have successful results and being like, okay, now let's see, now let's have that consistency carry on year after year. When, when did you realize in high school that you wanted to do college running? Was there like a particular race or a particular year where you were like, fuck man, I'm actually good enough to be in college (laughs) or like something, or was it always the goal and you just knew? Uh, I think freshman year. For sure. Freshman year in high school, I wanted to. And that was mainly because I looked at one of my role models and I always uh, talk, I was, I would talk to him and I would always you know, try and figure out what he's doing next and what his upcoming races were. And that was Billy Orman. Uh, he was a nice local Arizona tuba city runner. And I don't, his, he attracted a lot of attention and his, he just pretty much had this happy spirit and I loved his little blog journals he did for his whole race races and all of that. And that's what pretty much inspired me because then um, when he graduated, he ran, he went to Harvard and then he also went to Stanford and then back to Harvard, but he did, he made it on the reservation. Like he went to Harvard and ran for Harvard. And like, I remember in the summer I raced with him on the Hopi 10 K it's on the Hopi reservation. And you know, being able to talk with him, it was, I learned a lot from him because then that's when he really taught me to just kind of be myself and being like, okay, you know, you can be that happy person. You know, there is a lot of negative stuff that is on the reservation, but if you really want to like strive and have a happy life, just look at the positive things, look at the positive things of the reservation, look what we have to offer, you know, and being like focusing more on education. And that's where I really like dialed down into my education and being like, all right, I need to make sure I have mostly A's and B's and everything to make sure I am that student athlete that, you know, those coaches can be, because like I said, like some coaches, they don't think Native Americans can last long in college because if some goes on on the reservation or there's some, they have family problems, they're going to go right there. You know, they're, they're going to go back on the reservation and they're not going to want to come back. I was ask I was going to ask about that. Like, why was the, what was the um, apprehension? for native American runners. So it's just yeah. that strong family tie of something goes down. You're yeah. out. Immediately. And that when I was in the NCAA, my freshman and sophomore year, that's during that time, my mom, uh, she had stomach cancer and like, I was trying to get in my classes, get in my training, work my jobs. And I was so worried about her and out of nowhere like my coach definitely knew my mind was not at the workouts at practice and every weekend weekend or two I'd always ask her if I can go home can I see her or can I go home and see this and out of nowhere the coach would get frustrated being like you need to focus on your races you need to focus on this I'm like yeah but my mom's going through chemo right now I need to you know because out of nowhere she'd tell she'd call me and tell me she's puking and all of this and I couldn't be there. I was, I was up at college, you know, and it was very hard for me. I really wanted to go home. Um, and you know, that's what really, 
I started to think about it and I'm like, oh man, like I hate to be that stigma, you know, that they're telling me like, I was like, dang it, they're right there. I'm not going to come back to college and all of this. And out of nowhere, that's where I was just like, I need to stop thinking about this. I went for a run and processed all my emotions. And I was like, okay, I need, I need to do, I need to do all of this. I need to like have a successful running season. You know, if it was cross country track, I need to have a be successful for my mom. I need to, you know, I need to do something. If I can't be there for her, I might as well run for her. You know, what was, what was your mom like when she would watch you run? Cause like, so my daughter is a cross country runner and, um, Oh, she still does right now. She, yeah. Well, no, because I was just going to say, like, I'm, yeah, I'm she, definitely the yeller. Like, I, I have zero qualms about being the loudest person cheering, not only for my kid, but, like, her teammates. You know, I love knowing the other kids' names and just going ape for them. So I was curious how your mom is for you. Uh, she's my number one fan, for sure. Uh, <laughs> she uh, she helped me out through a lot. And not even that, but in my ultra races, not a lot of people want to come and watch me run, nor do they want to just wait for hours. Because it's... I run for hours. Like I have nowhere the gun <laughs> will go off and you won't see me at the next aid station. So you won't see me for another hour or two. And you're just basically sitting there waiting. And if I need, like, she's like my crew chief for most of the races right now. Oh, no way. To where, like she, she'll wait for me and I'll have like an ice chest ready and she'll just put out the chair for me and everything and have everything ready. And, uh, yeah, she, she's been helping me out on that a lot. Um, but yeah, she's always just been my biggest supporter. She, she's always loved how I ran. Um, when she was a coach, and I was, I believe I was like in sixth grade. Um, she was a middle school coach, so she was getting those seventh and eighth graders to try and beat me as sixth grader. Oh yeah, right. And like it was, it was so frustrating because then I come home and I look at her, but then I don't see her as my mom. I see her as a coach that's right. training these other kids to beat me. And <laughs> out of nowhere, I'm just like, man, are you, are you my mom, really? <laughs> like she's like it's it's gonna make you better it's gonna (laughs) it's so hilarious because like during that time um we'd be at races and like i'd be running and then she'd be yelling at the kids and back at like her athletes and being like go get my son go get him go get him (laughs) i'm like mom you're you're seriously not helping me right now Dude, I do the same thing. I'm like yelling at whoever's next with my daughter. I'm like, you can close that gap. Go get her. Don't let her beat you. Yeah, that's that's true. That's tough love right there. It is, but like that's racing, right? And like, dude, are you going to get beat or not? And then if you get beat, I'll hug on you. You're more than welcome to cry and be upset and we can train. But at the same time, like that's the beauty is like, Where's yeah, your, that's competition. That's yeah, it's 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 nice. Like I at a young age, it frustrated me, but like as I got older, I definitely recognized that to a point where it's like that's that's perfect, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like I think about that, I'm like I'm so glad she did that because that really did make me train harder, and it really did turn me into the person that I am now. Yeah, I and I didn't ask so. Was it, is it cross country running? And then what did you do for track or like, actually tell me about like the high school running that wound up getting <clears throat> coaches attentions for uh, college. Um, it was mainly cross country. I feel like, um, and less track, uh, for cross country. It was just like, I went to state as an eighth grader, ninth grader, 10th, I transferred. So I couldn't do my junior year. 
but I did my senior year. Um, and like most of the races, I'd at least place top five, or if it was like an Albuquerque and a big state competition, I'd try and place top 10. <laughs> if not, I'd try and shoot for top 20 or something, but I was at least up there, like at the front pack. And I always just tried to like throughout my high school career, just stay up there, like make sure that, you know, if the coaches or anyone looked at the result sheet, I was at least up there First to the point where like, cause, <laughs> I mean, you start looking down the names. Yeah. Like you want to, you don't want to be out of nowhere with the coach being like, oh, he's on the third page. You know? Yeah, right? No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, a lot of it was just like, okay, you know, I I need to always be consistent with my training and all of that. And as a high schooler, that was pretty hard. But, like, when I started to be successful throughout the season, it became less hard and I knew what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, dude, I've always... Uh, it's something I've wondered about with racing. I, I saw it, and again, not to make it so much about my daughter, but she's running an 800, and she's in sixth yep. grade. There's an eighth grade girl in front of her, and she's got a little pack of girls she's been running with since kindergarten. So mm -hmm. I'm at the the starting lines at the whatever the bottom of the track. I'm around the first curve. So I'll get to see her twice, and then I go down to try to catch her on her kick for the straightaway. So. Yep. She jumps out to the lead because there's 18 girls in this heat and it's an eight lane track. So you got to get out front or else you're going to have to go wide and you're just screwed, right? So she busts yeah. butt out front and I can tell the girl behind her is strong, right? You know, like she's not, her face looks relaxed where my daughter's like pushing to stay out there. So yeah. anyway, come around after the 400 and around the corner the girl's got a decent lead on her, maybe three or four steps. And I'm like, you can get her, go get her Shiloh. And she hears it and she like jumps out in front. And I was like, yeah. fuck. Cause I knew she like kicked a little too early. She yeah. winds up coming in third, you know? But anyway, all that to say, I've always wondered like the limits. When you talk about, I'm, I just wanted to stay out in that pack. Like, is it just willpower of dealing with the pain? Like, how, how do you just decide I'm going to stay out with that top pack? <laughs> um, I, I've, I've always been ballsy, too. <laughs> so, like, it, it's just that's pretty much how I got into Ultra, too. Uh, it was the Moab Trail Marathon. Did not train for it really, like, healthy. Um, <laughs> and out of nowhere, I did that race, and it kicked my butt. I I think I ran that marathon in like close to four hours. That was my slowest marathon ever. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I I needed like it was a whole big reality check of being like, yeah, you suck right now. <laughs> like it, was, it was like one of those ones where I was like, oh wow, like I reality check and I was like, all right, now I'm I'm gonna officially start training for this and I was like, I couldn't really appreciate the scenery and everything because I was dying and I was cramping and I didn't prepare for water or anything like, <laughs> and then that whole experience, cause I just wanted to do that race. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be fine. You know, 26 miles. I do that on the long run did not take into account the terrain, the technicality, all of that stuff. And yeah, it like going out there just, even if you know, you can't, but just taking that risk is, yeah. I feel like all the the more reward because even then when I crossed that finish line, I knew then that's like, all right, now I know what I need to work on. 
Um, especially when I do go up with that top pack, I'm like, all right, I chilled with them. If it was a 50 K and be like, I, I hung on all the, all the way until 22. And then after that, they dusted me the rest of the eight miles right. and being like, okay, well, you know, I have eight miles to eight miles of training that I need to make up for, you know, or if I have nowhere I look at it, I'm like, all right, those guys are obviously doing 80, 90 mile weeks and I'm only on 70. You know, I need to be patient with myself <laughs> okay. and just being like, okay, now, so I don't know where it's like, okay, so the next race now, like I know how it was when I went with that top pack and now I'm like, okay, now instead of like from the get go going with them, I'll just be at least 20 feet away and I'll just tread for a little bit. And then if I feel strong and something happens then I'll go along with them. Yeah, how real is that when, or at least maybe to you, again, I'm not like you're a scientific expert on it, but like, I always wonder like the, let me go behind the leader versus let me get out in front and put pressure on the leader type strategy with running. And I'm curious when you had said like, I'm gonna hang 20 feet behind versus, I mean, if you can be whatever right there with them, why not be right there with them? Do you feel it encourages them to even go faster? <coughs> Um, I, you, definitely if you want to push the pace, you basically go run side to side with them and then you can kind of push it. Um, but a lot of it too is I like to just kind of see how the race kind of plays out too. Um, I like to just kind of chill in the back and see kind of what, what's happening. And then after a good couple miles and everything, I kind of can gauge where I kind of want to be. Um, so do you think the leaders will go slower if they have a larger gap between the people behind them? Uh, I don't believe so. I mean, when there's some people where it's just tradition and they just find it comfortable <laughs> to go out hard, right? you know, uh, there's some people where they need to, I, I feel like definitely every time I race in Arizona, no matter what, I, I think it's just an Arizona runner thing is gun goes off. Everyone goes off hard and fast and pushes the pace every time i'm in arizona it never fails <laughs> and like those times i'm like all right it's a different style of racing so i'm like okay i can i'll do that and be like all right i'll, I'll train for that you know be like in some of my training i'll do that and like the first couple miles i'll push it a little bit and then after that i'll settle back into my pace just to get kind of used to it gotcha. um but like i mean especially I feel like a lot more people race more strategic strategically in Colorado and Utah. Hmm. Um, I just feel that way mainly just, I just feel like they have more access to mountains and terrain and everything to a point where like, I mean, it's desert running. I feel like is a lot different than mountain running in a way. Um, so like when I race against people, especially in championship races, it, it was just, I don't know. I just felt like they were just more strategic and more about pacing and all of that. And it was, it was cool. Good experience. I, I learned from them all. Yeah. So like strategic about, Hey, you're going to lose two minutes going up this mountain. So you got to gain two minutes on the flat part or what's the strategy? Uh, it's some of the shit, like there's some points where there's going to be one technical section and some people at the top of right when they complete it, they're going to slow down, but instead just continue to push that pace. And then if you do that, there's going to be a downhill and you can kind of coast that downhill, let gravity do its work. And then that'll give you a better kind of jump start. Um, uh, okay. Then like I have nowhere, there's some people who will just 
like slow down right at the top and then out of nowhere um they like they're in fifth and just because of that they dropped to like eighth or ninth like hmm. i know if you push it and kept consistent you would have been like still fifth or possibly fourth because uh, like with cross country and any type of like race sport where it's short like 10ks and everything the seconds matter even in mile the yeah. mile the 800 the seconds truly do matter so like each move each kind of decision you make that that's kind of like you're gambling with your seconds and being like all right you know third place is probably like for an 800 it'd be 201.65 and like if you went like how you said on the outside and out of nowhere you got dropped down to fifth because you made that outside move and that costed you a second or two and that's why you went like instead of 201.65 you went to 01.85 yeah right god or yeah it's just what those little things the little things make all the difference <laughs> And yeah. that's pretty much what it means to be strategic. It's it's one of those ones where, like, especially in the ultra races, um, like the middle of the day on a Wednesday, and you've been running all week. Like, you start on Monday, you're going to finish on Friday, and on Wednesday, you have this technical section where there's no tree cover, and you got to plan for that and be like, you know what, I'm going to take a nap and let it cool down a little bit, and then I'll cover that section. Oh. instead of the person who are actually like being like oh i'm gonna get a jump on him and i'm gonna go through but he didn't plan to take a lot of water in that section where there's not a lot of tree cover and he just dehydrated himself slowed him down and then i know where this person who took that nap you know passes him at mile 85 or something or you know does that... so it's just taking taking those little accounts to being like all right you know i, I need to make a smart decision here <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah dude i like i love the example and that's what i was wondering so with the ultra running, when you nap, is your time still going or do you clock out yeah. when you stop? Okay, no, so yeah, gun goes off going. and then it's just when you cross the line, it's up to you when you mm -hmm. cross that line. Yeah. And then it's almost like Tour de France style where like the days build up and then it's your total time by Friday. Yeah. Everything gets mm -hmm. added up. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if yeah, I was that's, missing that's something. That's pretty much how it goes for like the 200 mile races on up um they'll give you like three or four days to do it give you a cutoff time and then you just kind of go on throughout it um and then like but then with the certain projects and everything or if people are going for fkts on certain sections um yeah that, like that's where the time just still carries on um what's the fkt fkt is fastest known time oh. so like there's a there's thousands and thousands of fkts in like certain sections and everything um for certain trails i mean there's fkts for the colorado trail arizona trail there's, right. there's fastest known times all over um so like some runners when they develop running projects they'll try and go for an fkt time and you know that's something that i would really like to do um if i get like a shoe sponsor or something you know getting like be cool to like run the Colorado trail and get an FKT or run the Navajo long walk and get an mm. FKT and, you know, just doing something to a point where it's like, we not only got the fastest known time, but we like inspired a lot of people and like a lot of running projects that I want to do. Um, like every project that I do, I want to make sure like I do a some type of donation thing where it helps some native American development program. And like just doing something like that, I feel like is really cool because then you get more than just what you ask for. What would 
the money go towards or what would what needs to be developed uh so a lot of donation things that i want to really do for running is like uh so like on the reservation water access is very hard uh it'd be really cool to have like a to run for some type of donation to help with water on the reservation or like Native American youth development programs like Wings of America. Um, they're really awesome. They host running youth fitness camps all throughout like each reservation. And it's really fun because then they educate them and teach them their native stories through running, through exercise and just getting those kids out there because the kids on the reservation, they can sometimes just live that sedentary lifestyle and be consumed with that depression and anxiety and negative aspect of, you know, the, Navajo, the reservation life. So like having Wings of America, when they host those camps, you always see those camps. I was a facilitator uh, for them. I believe it was my soft, no. Yeah, I think it was my sophomore or freshman year of college. Um, but yeah, we, the kids loved it. They, it was only a weekend. It was a Saturday, like Saturday or Sunday or Friday, Saturday event. And they were always so excited. Like they, they look forward to it all summer. Like all that was their highlight of their summer was wings of America. These awesome native athletes, these facilitators are teaching them drills, teaching them like training tips, uh, stretching tips, you know, and out of nowhere, you know, we inspire those kids to a point where it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I'm ready for cross country season, you know, uh, or you have those high school athletes who come to these uh, fitness camps and they're just want to talk with us on training or, you know, some of us have ran in championship races and they're about to race it. And they'll ask us being like, you know, how could I, you know, do a little bit better on this race since you've raced it before and being like, okay, you know, I went off a little bit hard on this section of the course and being like, if you actually just take it easy on that part and then make up for it on this part, I think you'll improve that time there. <laughs> and like just helping those kids out in that way too uh, is awesome. Um, that's what a lot of runners and role models that I look up to have done for me. And it has made all the difference. Um, so money wise, because I, I think of running and I'm like, there isn't a ton of cost, right? Aside from the human aspect of it because you basically just need mm -hmm. space right like you don't have a ton yeah. of equipment unless you're thinking like hey man the running shoes are complete shit and i really want to get kids shoes so like mm -hmm. is the, is the... well like that's that's what i would like to do is like at least do some run where like uh like some project where if some organization wants to donate at least like uh some amount of shoes to you know this this elementary school or to this uh, high school cross country team just to help them out gotcha. and then do some type of run talk session and just kind of help educate them in a way where they can, you know, help them. And a lot of people, a lot of kids now, these days, these native athletes, they want to compete in college. They want to do that now. And they, they're craving that resource. And I yeah. would love to be a resource for them to just being like, all right, you want to get off the reservation and really, you know, run with these guys outside the reservation, then let's, let's do it. You know, you're going to learn a lot from it. And when you come back, you know, years later, when you have your degree or anything, and, or when you have that running sponsorship and you're coming back, you can use that to help your people. And I hope, you know, when it does happen to me, I can inspire people to keep on doing that. Gotcha. You would think, 
and I'm not a super business guy, but I would just think in a basic business way, that brand recognition earlier is better. And like what you said about elementary school, man, whatever, you get a pair of Brooks, a pair of Sacconis, a pair of Nikes, whatever. And that's yeah. what a kid gets in second grade. And then they have a moment where they find success in that shoe. That's their mm. shoe. It's done. Like they're in. And you would think a lot of companies would be very into getting their mm. shoes on kids' feet who wouldn't have I mean, access to them. That's definitely what Wings of America does. I mean, they're, they have Nike. In, it's a N7. It's pretty much Nike's like Native American department for athletics. And yeah, they Wings America has them to help them out. And, you know, uh, when I was a kid, I got to play games and everything. And when I was a kid, the Wings of America was still there. And I remember when I went to that camp, it was awesome. We just played all day. We played games. I was super tired by the end of the day. (laughs) But at the same time, when you get those shoes, when you get everything, it was just like, wow, like I didn't have to pay for these shoes. These are really good shoes that cost a lot of money. And out of nowhere, I'm just like, holy cow like i was filled with joy to a point where it's like people don't realize like when like these kids when they see these shoes they don't see it as like work they see it as an opportunity for miles they see it as a point where it's like oh my feet are going to feel so much better and they're going (laughs) to run and they're going to train a lot harder and you know there's some of these kids who are running in walmart shoes you know and they're talented awesome athletes but you know it's like if they just get it off like a good pair of shoes on them they can truly make a difference (laughs) yeah i it's something i don't abide by myself i think i've had actually the same pair of running shoes I might have, and there, I, I do easy miles. I might be up to like six, 700 miles on my shoes. Um, do you, like in your experience, I'm sure the terrain matters a ton with it, but is there like a rule of thumb to kind of go by? Hey, replace the shoes when certain miles oh, or yeah. do you just like have a feel? Uh, I pretty much will go about three to five depending on the shoe. Um, because I've, I just pretty much find whatever shoe I can get my hands on and I will get it because I, I grow through shoes like crazy anyway. So it's just right. kind of like any attachment to any shoe is not, not, not really an issue for me unless I, I get this like shoe contract or something Then I have nowhere to be like, awesome. That's, that's my shoe. I just need to use now. Right. But like until then I'm just going to grab any shoe I find possible. God, dude. Yeah. And, and like it's three to 500 miles is pretty much my gauge on how it looks too. Uh, sometimes some shoes, they just deteriorate like crazy and like 300 is done or I have nowhere. Like some, some of my shoes, they'll go up to like 200 and the fabric will just rip up and tear up and have nowhere. It's like, okay, well, that was the end of that shoe. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's something I didn't even think about with you ultra runners. Cause you're talking about people putting in 90 mile weeks. Like it takes me or hundred or 120, yeah, um, 140 plus mile weeks. You so got people putting in the work. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at a, basically a need for a pair of shoes every three, four weeks. Like that's yeah. when you talk about decent, at least in Delaware, decent running shoes are like a hundred, 120 bucks. They're like basketball shoes quality wise. Yeah. Like that's a cost where it's, uh, yeah, I, I just try to at least go wherever. Um, also, since I work at a sporting goods store, those discounted shoes, if I'll, I'll, I'll get some of those. Like if I could just pay 30 bucks for a shoe, it's only going to last me a little bit to, just to get me through. I'm going to get that. Like, yeah. 
Are, yeah. So your mentality, you don't, um, the gear doesn't make you like, you don't put a pair of shoes on your feet and be like, Oh dude, I'm fucked for this race. Cause I'm wearing discount shoes. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, for I, you. it's more of like just the work. I mean, it's, it just needs to do its job. Like it just needs to do its little function <laughs> that I need. Like, I mean, when I'm running, I don't want to run barefoot where I'm like going through slick rock and cactus and bushes and I'm going to get scratched up. So like, I just need something to cover my feet. I just, yeah. <laughs> I just need that little bit of traction and traction and then I'm good. I, I'm really just, I'm, I'm simple that way. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I think that's, I don't know if trails are so different. So in my head, I'm thinking of the high performance and I forget what um the time frame. Was it like marathoners trying to beat a two hour marathon? Nike had a commercial yeah. a couple of years ago and there I'm was like this. Kipchoge. Oh, okay. So if if that's the dude that's I'm the thinking guy of. Who broke two. Oh, and was it the Nike like was was there an issue with the shoe where it was like, is it legit? Because did the shoe add to performance versus Yeah, no, they're yeah, they were creating that whole Nike. It was a vapor fly or something. Um, I've never tried that shoe ever before. I don't really run in Nikes. I, I mostly just run in like right now. I have a lot of Sakonis right now and a lot of Adidas shoes. See, I said Sakonis. So I'm running in those right now. I said Sakonis and you let me oh, say that? that. I said, I said Sakonis <laughs> and you just let me say it. You're so kind. It's Sakonis. Is that how you actually say yeah, it? Yeah, Sakonis. God. I believe so. Yeah. I'm so fucking ignorant. Apologies. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have cut <laughs> you off, but you were just so nice to let me roll on my ignorance. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yeah, so I'd definitely like, uh, yeah, a lot of people, that's kind of the business type of thing. It, that's marketing right there where like, you're really trying to get people to buy a shoe to being like, this will make you faster. This will, you know, when I have nowhere, it's like, well, if you look at your training block these last three weeks, you know, if you incorporated two or three of these workouts, you could have gotten that time and you didn't need to buy a two, $300 shoe, you know? Awesome. <laughs> so like, that's, when, that's mainly what I think of. Like when I think about it, I'm just thinking about the work, the training, you know, it's kind of like, um, I just like to read up on it. I like to spend some time with it. Uh, Cause definitely no, no, clo no material thing is going to make you. Um, it's a, like a lot of it on how I was taught to is just like with a strong heart and a strong mind, you know, you can really do a lot of amazing things and surprise yourself. Um, yeah, it made, so there was a, like an ESPN documentary on, um, the South African runner, uh, blade runner. I believe it was called Michael Petrus. Had you heard about him? He was a sprinter. No, I don't, I don't believe so. Oh, dude, you would like your next recovery. You, you want to watch this documentary. So he wind up, um, the spoiler alert, he winds up in a home invasion, getting convicted for murder. He kills his girlfriend, but he came to fame because he was a white sprinter. That was a double amputee. Oh, I heard about that. In yeah. The news, I think. And yeah. he was fighting and you look at his legs and he had to like scientifically prove that his legs or the, the, um, and like the, what would, what would the, the prosthetic limb didn't give him an advantage over a normal human leg. And the whole thing is like, all these scientists like, how do you prove that? Like, they're not spring loaded. Like, do I determine your power? Well, your power is different than my power, different than like yeah. LeBron James yeah. power. So like, what are yeah. we going to say that the normal human, well, would he be normal if he worked out? And it was 
a really weird debate that like, if you have to have an opinion, it made me think like, like she's not getting sprung forward. There's not rockets in there, but is there something to the bounce coming back that gives him an unfair advantage because of the material that his prosthetics are made from? And he wound up actually going, I believe he wound up going to the Olympics and competing the sprint with double prosthetics because he was killing the Paralympics. And they were like, well, if he's uh -huh. killing the Paralympics, he deserves to go to the real Olympics. Like, give, yeah. him, a, give him a chance, man. See what happens. Um, but then when well, these... that's, that's why I love so much about running and sports is like you, you can like pretty much you can make it into an art and people will really gravitate toward it. Like out of nowhere, when you really like develop that respect among like various amount of people and then out of nowhere, that respect will turn into something really great. <laughs> and it, it's interesting, I guess in your case, it seems like the Navajo runner has a little bit of that disrespect on them to overcome. And it's like, you need that little bit of an underdog story in order, yeah. and you know, in order to be, to have that kind of influence, to make that positive mm -hmm. change, to garner attention, which I had no yeah. idea about, um, that there was that little bit of stigma with the Navajo runners or native American runners. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I'm surprised. Like if I, I want to say it's a 30 for 30 blade runner, it's like a six part docu-series. Um, it's, I'm gonna have to look that up then. I I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, him just him just coming up. Um, when I think of shoes, I almost wonder instead of performance, like injury prevention, like I don't feel or recovery, I I don't feel like gets marketed. Like I want to go for a long run, and can your shoe help me to not be as sore <laughs> or my joints hurt less versus grab me thirty extra seconds. <clears throat> And I'm surprised uh, that like that doesn't get marketed more. If it is, I'm not aware of it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I believe in moderation. So like a lot of it is like, you know, I, I'm not gonna like strictly just run in a Hoka shoe. <laughs> uh, like I have nowhere, it's like I have one, I have one of those Max cushion shoes type thing. Uh, and that mm -hmm. one I only pretty much will use like my legs feel beat off of a very high mileage week and I need to do another long run. If my legs kind of feel like they need that little bit of cushion that day, I'll, I'll wear those. Or like in, in the mornings when I feel like my feet are just a little bit tight and I need to kind of feel the ground a little bit more and have that barefoot feel, I'll, I'll wear those shoes that one day. Um, a lot of it, I, I just kind of gauge on how I feel and how my body feels and being like, do I need that type of cushioning or do I just need a regular shoe? Uh. <laughs> do you throw away the old shoes or do you have somebody who like gets your old shoes? <laughs> Is this an eBay hustle? <laughs> I'll, I'll throw it away. If I have nowhere, if I can use it for like the yard or if I can use it for something, <laughs> I'll use it for that. But if not, and it's just kind of deteriorated. I'll pretty much just throw it away. I <laughs> I wish I don't know of any place around here that I live that will take the shoes, you know, and donate them. Yeah. Um, I would, I would definitely do that. <laughs> right. But then like, I, I always am thinking I kind of want to do that and like donate it to Goodwill, but then they're just so high mileage beat up shoes. I feel like yeah. if I do that, I'm going to injure somebody. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what's the value of you getting a shoe that's not yeah. good enough for me to train? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm just like, oh, I don't really want to do that. I'll I'll just I'll just throw it away. <laughs> gotcha. 
Yeah, that's um, I I've always you see a lot of times in um like third world countries. So if an and if a, if a sports team is going to win a championship, they have like both teams t-shirts printed up, and then the winners obviously put on their t-shirt, and then the losers like well we have a thousand of these t-shirts, and they wound up like in the Sudan somewhere, and like I <laughs> picture the shoe depots like that. Like, wait, so if yeah. I give you my really crappy beat up shoes that I've worked out in, some poor kid is going to wind up in them that actually needs good shoes. And now like yeah. maybe he gets hurt or thinks these are good shoes and really they fall apart. The sole comes off when he needs it. Yeah. I'm like, nah, dude, that just sounds weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just like, ah, oh, no, that's. Just, I hope that's a smart decision. I don't know, right. <laughs> but in that case, I'm just like, yeah, I just, I just don't want to have that on my conscience and being like, I think I just injured somebody. I think yeah. I just hurt somebody. The universe, and then you like sprain your ankle on a rock, and it was like, is it because of this eight year old? Yeah, in Egypt? yeah, yeah, pretty much. I'd be like, yo, it's, it's probably this dude named Frankie or something or Gary. I'm sorry, Gary. <laughs> right, the universe coming back at me, taking my energy. Man, I and I, um, I didn't ask this earlier, and I, I hit me because I wound up pivoting, and I feel like it was like a little disrespectful. But I wanted to just check in, ask on your mom because she's still doing stuff with you. I'm assuming like she's doing well with the cancer. She's, she's doing able well to go and, and see now. You. Yeah, she she's doing phenomenal. Um, right now she just got a surgery with her ankle, so now she's just recovering off of that. Um, uh, but yeah, she's doing awesome. Um, she's been my crew chief. For this year, for every one of our, except the behind the rocks, that's when she had the surgery and couldn't be a, my crew chief. But she's been my crew chief for the past couple races. Um, yeah, her and my grandma have been the main two that have been with me, which is awesome because they're the two women who have molded me into the person I am today and have always just been there for me. I've always been at my races since I was a kid and cheering me on and everything i mean i still remember the workout my grandma put me through in middle school when she put me up those hills and every time i every time i run up the hill too that's all i hear is my grandma's voice saying get up that damn hill <laughs> it was like oh you better get up that damn hill Timbo. <laughs> grandma's coming <laughs> dude where did their competitive spirit come from uh, my, I don't know. My family is just very hard work. They're just, uh, they're just gritty. I, I love to explain them, explain it in that, explain it in that way. Um, they, they just, they, they're hardworking people. And like my, my grandma, she is one to never like, don't, don't ever mess with her, man. She, <laughs> she, she's a hardworking person and she speaks her mind and she definitely taught me to do that too. And just being the person that you are and just being that decent human being, you know? Um, and yeah, having those two around every race is awesome. I, I love hanging out with them. <laughs> Dude, I can't believe they had you train in that early. So was it like, were you, showing promise of like hey timbo's winning a bunch of races let's like pour some energy into him or was it uh, well, more like yeah in middle school i was uh seventh grade i believe i was pretty much about to go undefeated in the two mile in track too and like i i just kept on winning races and it was just one of those things too in middle school where i i wanted to train i, I wanted to do workouts awesome. i kind of 
already knew kind of what I needed to do, you know, in that season, like cross country, middle school, not a lot of kids are like that committed, but there's some kids who are pretty fast, you know, and I was just like, I, I wanted to win every race. I wanted to compete. I wanted to, you know, especially with my mom training her other kiddos to beat me. It was just kind of those things where it's like, I need to, I need to be on top of my game every time. Like, <laughs> Like it was just one of those ones where like people always wanted to race me. Kids really wanted to race me and kids every time after a race were just like, Oh, I really wanted to get you. And then when you did your kick, I didn't have anything left in me, man. I'm like, well, you know, work on it. (laughs) And it was just, it was just one of those ones where it was just like, ah, like I, I always had to be on my game because I have nowhere right when they beat me. It was just like, they always wanted to rub it in my face or just being like, damn, I'm like, finally got you. And I'm just like, oh, crap. Uh, next time, you ain't getting me. <laughs> oh. So that was a little bit of fuel for you then, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was one of those ones where it's like, okay, like I lost that one. Well, why did I lose? And out of nowhere, I just really started to think about it. I'm like, well, you know, I did give up at this part. And I, you know, I didn't do my runs these past two days, and that's probably why too. Like, yeah, no, it's like I better be more consistent. Like, they're oh, if I'm not like that, they'll they'll come right back at me. So, have you found like a good like a formula of hey, if my end goal is to, we'll just use the track example of running the two miles. So, okay. you're, do you have a typical build up to build down with rest? ratio kind of a thing do you want to run like eight miles the day before two miles the day before no miles the day before like yeah uh so within like a typical training block uh like a typical training template i'll do uh like typical training week is monday i'll have an easy shakeout run because like on sundays is always my long run days getting in my mileage um and the long runs are just like my most important run throughout the week because that just kind of fills and sums the whole week up okay. through all my work that I've done. So Monday is a shakeout run. Tuesday will be like a workout run. So like I don't really like stop after like a warm up, and then people will usually stop and then get on different type of shoes and do their drills and strides and then do their workout and then cool down. I, I just put it all in one motion and just keep running. I don't really like to stop. So I'll do a warm up and then I'll do some type of threshold repeat or some type of interval fart lick, anything like that on Tuesday. And then Wednesday is a, would be like a midweek long run. Thursday would be uh, pretty much like an easy run, but after it would be hill sprints. Friday would be kind of like an easy day. Saturday would be another workout day, be a tempo or far leg, same thing as Tuesday, uh, but a different workout. And then Sunday long run. Um, that's like a typical training week that I'll do. <clears throat> and like Monday, Wednesday, Fridays as core, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll do a strength training. And then, so that whole buildup is based off of mileage as well. So I'll build up and progress into it. I'll make sure I'll get like my high mileage weeks about three, four weeks out of my race or four weeks out of my race, like race day. And then like my key big workout, I'll make sure I'll try and get it in two weeks before that way I can kind of give myself that type of recovery, like that time of recovery. Um, but like with tapering too, I'll taper at least like a week. I don't really like to taper two weeks before a race. I'll taper like a week before. I was literally about about to say that. Like how easy is it for you to trust rest? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with my tapering, like if I, 
I'll like my taper week will be like 60 mile weeks or, you know, 60 to 70 mile weeks would be a taper. If I'm really tapering, it'll be like lowest. I'll probably go is like 55, 50. Uh, and preparing for, are we looking at like a hundred mile race? That's the goal. Uh, yeah, pretty much for, for anything. I mean, really it just depends on what time you are at and what your fitness level, gotcha. um, on what you're doing. Um, but yeah, if I'm, going for like a hundred mile race, I'll make sure my week before, like that week of running. And if I'm racing on Saturday, I'll make sure that weekly mileage is around like 50, 40, not including the race miles. Gotcha. And yeah, that's something just being a dude who goes and jogs, like understanding mileage buildup compared to like pushing yourself, the interval, keeping a time, versus just putting miles in you know that's something yeah, i struggle with and like, a lot of my training is is time um i'm i'm more about quality over quantity so like that, i don't really the miles take care of themselves i just try and like stick with the time so a lot of my workouts i'll do like two minute on and off repeats or minute on and off repeats there's a really awesome workout i learned in college called the monteghetti that one i like to do too it's a series of like five minute repeats and then three and then two minute repeats and then you can go on to like 30 second on and offs but then like that whole build up when you're going at that pace the pace i usually like i don't have any like gps watch i have just a regular digital watch because that's all i go off is off of this time so i just feel it i mean i i'm pretty much like in high school and college they basically drill into you pace like okay. you definitely know what a 60 second 400 meter feels like 65 70 75 80 like you definitely know what a five minute mile pace feels like 505 on down like you become very experienced and well-rounded within that uh, so then like when i do those workouts i'll be like all right i'm going 5k pace for this threshold repeat or i'm going uh, 10k pace at this uh for this amount of time uh, just doing kind of that stuff What's your uh, fastest mile time? Uh, I believe it's 412. Stop. Do, do you want to kill yourself that you didn't break four? <laughs> no, no. I, I hate the mile. <laughs> I hate it so much. I hate the 800 and I don't like the 5K. It's too quick. Because uh, like by the time it is time to kick, like to make your finish, I'm warmed up. Like it's like... Uh, yeah, like it's it's such a fast race where you have to be on point and like my muscles, they'll get there, but it just takes a little longer. So like with mine, like that's why I like like my shortest race I think I'll ever do again is probably a 10K or a half marathon because I like that. It gives me a little bit more time to just kind of, you know, make a move. But then like anything shorter than that, I, I just don't have the pop in my legs for that. <laughs> Dude, that's so weird that you're like, yeah, I need a half marathon to get time to make my move. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I need that. <laughs> Can't you like, so you couldn't, so if you're going to do a mile and this might be a really stupid example, you couldn't go out and warm up with like 10 miles and then get to the mile in, in like in your head like, all right, man, last one. Let me roll here. Let me just all out. Um, I believe I could do that, but I would just need to 
I, I guess I could try it. Yeah, I know. It's never a stupid really question. I just like, in my <laughs> head, it's like, okay, well, if you're a half marathon guy, what if like you warmed up for a mile running 12 miles and you're at whatever, like a six, what would you run a half marathon in? Would you break an hour in a half marathon? I don't know. Uh, I honestly haven't done a half marathon, nor have I done like an actual road marathon. I'm actually going to do one May 7th. So I'll, that's going to be my first marathon I've actually, I'm, I'm going to do so. Okay. And what are you hoping to run that in? I'm, I don't have any kind of time. I, I never really do have any time expectation, but like with that one, it's kind of my first road race marathon type thing. So I'm just going to treat it as like a 20 mile long run and then 10 K race at the end and oh. kind of see how that goes. The way you runners talk, dude. The, the way y'all are like, you break stuff down and you have different kicks at different times and different pushes <laughs> and intervals. It really is. Um, I don't know, man. Like that's to me the cool strategy when you guys think. <laughs> Timbo, man, let me, um, let me get you out of here on this. And I'm interested okay. to see where you take it. I, I kind of have like this stupid little gimmick that I end, end the podcast with. Okay. Can I get your best first for last? We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. Your what? My what? <laughs> best first for last. Best first for last. Yep. What do you mean by that? How do you take it? And that's what I always tell everybody because basically okay. everybody What's says. What's your best what first for last? Uh, best first for last, I would say is, oh, enjoy the journey for sure. Enjoy it all. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> uh, and that's basically kind of how I feel with ultra. I mean, if you're going to be an ultra athlete or any endurance person, you gotta, you gotta just enjoy it all and appreciate every, everything. <laughs> all, all the, everything just adds up. Everything kind of forms its own thing. So definitely just enjoy it all. <laughs> Did you, do you have a race where you got like, where it became more enjoyable of the journey? Was there like a moment for you that you look back to like, okay, this is where I actually like embraced all the stuff yeah. that comes with running. Uh, I would say the Monument Valley 50 miler. I've won that twice now. I won it in I believe 2018 and now 2022. Tell me about it. Man. And that, yeah, <laughs> that race, it was, it was awesome. I mean, like when I first did it, I was, yes, kind of nervous, skeptical and being like, all right, uh, I don't know, you know, I hope I, I hope I finish type thing. And then I was pushing it pretty well and it was super hot. And yeah, like during that time there was, uh, I think it was mile, there's, it was from mile 30 to 40 in that section there's like a like a eight or nine mile loop 
And they said they would have an aid station there, but they didn't. So I planned to just, I didn't take that much water because I thought there was going to be some at the aid station and there was no aid station. And out of nowhere, I was waterless. It was like 80, 90 degrees. And like the sun was beating down on me. I was, it was in Monument Valley. So it's nothing but sand. And you're at the bottom of this little like mesa and there's no covering whatsoever, like clear skies. And I was I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Like, this is how I go. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, uh, I was running. And then I was just like, all right, you just need to stay positive. You know, it's, I was like, you're probably like four miles away from another water source. So you just got to kind of suck it up. So I was going. And quicker like, you I run, was, quicker you get there. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I was just like, oh crap. And I was running and, my uh my lips were cracking and i was just like oh man and i was running like a lot of stuff just started crossing my mind i started to tear up i started to cry and i was just like oh my gosh like i started really thinking about my life too because i was just at that dehydration phase and just kind of everything was kind of blurry a little bit and i was just like all right this is this is crazy (laughs) and out of nowhere i was going up this mesa and then there's these people that were spectators and they had some water and they're like, do you need water and everything? I was like, Oh, thank you so much. And I got the water. I was able to make it to the aid station. But when she gave me the water, she's like, Oh my gosh. She's like, I would never do this in my life, but Oh my God, I'm so glad I'm watching you do it. <laughs> I took that as a good thing. I was at the door, I'm like, Oh yeah, don't, don't ever do this. Don't ever do this again. <laughs> But that whole instant, it made me appreciate kind of what I do. Like, I have nowhere, like, I was calling myself stupid and being like, why did you sign up for this race? Why, you know, I was just like, oh, my gosh. But then I have nowhere, like, that lady really flipped my perspective and helped me kind of realize to a point where I'm like, wow, like, I'm actually doing something that a lot of people are can be truly inspired by you know i'm actually doing a lot of cool stuff and like through all of that like suffering and everything i won that race and out of nowhere i came out number one and like that really flipped my perspective and being like all right you might be going through a lot of stuff you might be going through a lot of motions and you know something might have not gone right same thing as an aid station you know they Mm -hmm. might some people might tell you one thing and it might be a complete different thing and out of nowhere that really taught me through running and everything just kind of appreciate it enjoy the journey <laughs> like even though you go through that stuff just just know that you know it, it it goes away and it gets better there's always another thing that you got to kind of focus on on top of that so a lot of it is just enjoy it <laughs> did during the race like, did you realize you were winning this thing? Like, I don't know how a 50 miler works. I'm picturing it like a marathon where you kind of can see the people. It's one continuous race, right? You're not like yeah, mapping and uh, or anything. So I definitely knew uh, when I go into the aid station, there's people who will tell you like second place runner is, was about 15 minutes in back of you. Or like when you headed out of that aid station, the set, the next person headed out 15 minutes after you. So then like when you got back to the next aid station, it was like, all right, now I'm going to wait. And if I have nowhere, he comes in 10 minutes. I have nowhere. You have a 10 minute gap between each other. Oh, so Uh, you're literally stopping at these places. It's not like a marathon where you run the whole time. No, no. You the aid stations, 
you have a crew, you have a racist crew. That's why my, my mom and my grandma are uh, kind of like my crew, my crew chief and all that. So I'll go in there and like to have a crew, you basically have all this stuff. So like if you, if you need an extra pair of shoes because you went through a stream, you did a stream crossing and out of nowhere, you needed an extra pair of socks. You get to that aid station, your crew will pretty much have those socks and shoes ready for you. Um, it was basically like that. So when I go in, I kind of get the nutrients and water that I need, all that stuff. If I need to change shoes, I'll change shoes, change a pair of socks, change it. Um, or if I have a bunch of blisters on my feet, I'll tend to those real quick and then head out again. Um, but when I'm doing that, that's when the people will be like, you know, when you left or you have about like 30 minute gap between you and the other person or, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, but yeah, definitely when this, this one I did this year in March, March 5th is when I did it. Um, when I did that one, uh, uh, the person said it was like an hour or two gap between me and the second runner. Whoa. So then that's when I was just like, all right, uh, I'm in, I'm just in my own league right now. And I just need to go <laughs> just, I don't need to worry about all of those. I just need to worry about this run now. So that's where I just like, when you like get those, those types of information, you just kind of work accordingly and just yeah. being like, all right, now, like, I really don't need to worry about any competition right now. I just need to enjoy this run get it in and just get to that finish line. Yeah, dude. Cause when you were telling the story about the aid station, not being there, like the competitive jerk in me who has not accomplished anything was like, are you going to win? <laughs> and it didn't yeah. come up in your story. It wasn't like, I don't know if that was the negativity, your negativity seemed to go to like, I'm going to die versus I'm not going <laughs> to win. So that's why I was a little curious about that. Yeah. But, well, like I definitely like when I went through that section and everything. Um, yeah, when I got to the aid station, my family was there, and they're just like, "You got this. Just keep on going." You know, when I got to the aid station, I only had six miles left, and then I finished the race. So then after that, I was like, "All right, just muster up whatever courage I have and just cross that finish line." A lot towards the end is just you're really like at the end of an ultra race, you're really just picturing and thinking about that finish line because at the finish line, there is everything you need there. There's water, there's awesome food. If you're into micro brews or whiskey, it's at that finish line. If you're in like with me, I was like, "Oh, I really need an edible or something, or CBD or something." Yeah, it's at that finish line, so you better get to that finish line and. <laughs> Like make sure you get your daily dose <laughs> because you definitely, you definitely deserve it and need it. Like you're basically talking to yourself and hyping yourself up. Dude, that's so true. Um, it's, I don't know. It's funny for me thinking of five K's, like a five K is not like what you were saying. A five K is just over so quick. It's not over so quick for me, but a five K is very, um, it's not a challenging race, but I don't push myself either to like hit a certain time. I kind of just go with them on body will let me, but people will yeah. celebrate a 5k and no shade to them, but like that's an accomplishment for them. And when they get to celebrate, it yeah. makes their day, man. And it's awesome. It's a little victory. Like why should you not celebrate a victory? Yeah. You know, it really does make running way more yeah. fun. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it like, that's what definitely, um, Oh, what's that guy's name? He won the Boston Marathon in 2012, I believe. He has this movie called Transcend. I, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, okay. 
and it's really awesome. If you want, I can send, I can mail it to you. You can watch it. <laughs> I have it. Might as well. <laughs> but my daughter probably like it. I mean, she's into running. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really awesome if you take a look at it, and it really. Like how he says it is like, no matter what, if you're first, last, everyone is going through the same amount of pain, you know, mm. no matter what you're going through the same amount of emotions, you know, yeah, I might have ran, you know, the person who wins that 5k, they might've ran like 1423. And then yeah. the guy who ran 1905. Sure. But in that mindset, they both had very successful races. They both worked very, very hard to achieve that time that they wanted. So like I have nowhere, it's like you're not necessarily like, yeah, on paper you're faster, but then I have nowhere, it's like you don't we don't really realize how similar we are and how yeah. the same, you know, we have that same mentality and being like, Yeah, you know, I'm just a 14 minute 5K and you're 19. But that yeah. but we both have that same philosophy and that same training mentality of, you know, overcoming these obstacles and getting faster. Yeah, dude, that's, I don't know, that, that's, you're, you're wise, man. You're already an ancestor. Like it's, oh, so, thank you. <laughs> but that's true. It's like your, your, your worst pain and my worst pain are worst. Now what caused them could be relatively different, right? But like yeah. the worst day of your life still feels the same as the worst day of my life. Yeah. It's the worst. And it, it, that I never thought about that for running either, but that's such a good point. Like. We both yeah. suffered the same, even if the times are different. You both suffered the same. Mm -hmm. Timbo, man, I'm so glad. Thank you so much. It's getting dark over there. I'm sorry to keep you in a car for so long. Um, but oh, no, you're good. <laughs> thank you so much for coming back on, man, and um, letting people get to know you and hopefully inspiring listeners. Um, if they go for a nice long run, maybe they'll listen to a podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yep. Oh, and if anything, I would like to announce my upcoming races. Oh, if yeah. I'm sorry. Go people ahead. Want to, yeah, if anything, if people want to kind of keep updated with me, I'm on social media, on Instagram. My next races is the Shiprock Marathon, May 7th, the Tahoe 100K, June 18th, Speed Goat, 28K and 50K back-to-back -back events, July 22nd through the 23rd. And then my final project is going to be in october october 3rd through the 8th it's called the 420 run project and i'm going to be running the california coastal trail the plotted course is 426.25 miles um and that's going to be awesome uh i'm looking forward to it and there's going to be it's going to be an awesome time uh, um i'm excited but yeah for sure uh that's my next races that i'll be doing in pretty much the year so you're building up. So in your mind, when you had said final, you're taking off like a little, what, a month or two after running 426.2 miles. Well, like that's a, that's my like end of the year, like capping off. Like I'm not doing any more races after that. Like I'm just going to prepare for the next year. <laughs> okay. Like it, yeah. Cause I, I just feel like after that run, I'm going to, there's going to be a lot of stuff I'm going to be thinking about. And there's going to be a lot of stuff that, you know, I'm wanting, I would want to change. And, you know, cause no matter what, I feel like through each run as an ultra runner, you evolve <laughs> and you definitely like start to realize being like, Oh, okay. You know, there's something that I need to focus on here or tend to, um, so that's why I'm just going to the rest of the year train, work hard for 2023. How long is the, and say the name of the California race one more time. The, oh, it's not a, 
Or which one? The 420. Oh, so it's not a race. It's just my own type of project that I have with Stigma. Um, the one I'm a brand uh, ambassador with. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're doing a whole thing. We're going to collab with other companies and everything and do a whole run project. So this whole run project that I'm wanting to do, um, it's going to go from October through, through the 8th. And with this, we're going to pretty much do a whole movement and do a whole message and just try and get the whole like cannabis community and just community overall involved. And just kind of, it's more of just, you know, ending stigmas, ending stereotypes. It doesn't matter. We're all human. We're all like running is the universal language. So we're going to display that there. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Okay. And like that happens over a week, a month, a year. How long do you have to do this 420 miles? October 3rd through the 8th. God. I'm running all day, all night, Monday through Friday, baby. (laughs) And I didn't ask you this. Have you ever done the Goggins four by four? Have you heard about that? I no, I barely even know about this David Goggins dude. Everyone's been talking about him. I really, I just, he hasn't popped up on any of my radar or anything. So I really don't know. (laughs) So for 48 hours, you run four miles every four hours. Okay. And that like, that's it. You just run four miles, you take all four hours, and then you wake up and it's like this weird little interval thing as a toughness uh-huh. test. And like in my uh-huh. head, I'm thinking about that doesn't seem like shit compared to 420 <laughs> in your time frame. Like your st- you, that race, that stigma race, like that that blows my mind. Oh yeah. Just imagine how much weed that is <laughs> for that run. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> Timbo. All right, man. Thank you for putting the race schedule and um, links will be in the description of your Instagram and any website. So if anybody's listening, get into some hard hill in their minds right now um, and you need mm-hmm. to take a break in the shade, pop an edible, feel free to go to the description and see what's coming up in Timbo's life. Oh yeah. All right, dude. Thank you so much for letting uh, people get to know you coming on, sharing some of your stories and um, just being so flexible. I was so happy that the internet connection actually lasted the second. I know me too. I was stoked. (laughs) (laughs) It was so much more pleasant to be able to just talk to you without being interrupted, man. Um, Yeah. Yeah. All that again, man. Thank you. And I'm happy trainings. I'm excited that I found you on Instagram. Like I'm inspired to put in some extra miles to be honest with you. And Awesome. And honestly, that's, like, that's all it is. how much do you do versus like music or do you enjoy being alone in your head when you run? <laughs> um, same thing, moderation. I love being alone in my head, but at the same time, too, if, if things just seem too cloudy, things just seem just too hazy. Yeah, definitely. If you need to put on that podcast or put on that, you know, audio book, music, whatever, yeah. put it on. Um, definitely windy days are my most annoying days. Like all I hear is, <laughs> and like in New Mexico, it's strong winds, like especially yeah. where I live. So like, yeah, I'll definitely put on some headphones and I'm just like, I, I don't like the sound of that wind right now. Cause like when you run for 20 plus miles and the wind and that's all you hear, I, you, you get annoyed. So dude, it's, it, it, it's such a shitty story in comparison to you. But when I tried to run the marathon without stopping, I had a five mile stretch down a highway and the wind was on my back 
And it was the only thing I could think of during that five miles. It was like miles 11 through 16, the winds at my back. And I knew I was going to turn around. And then I was like, it's going to be completely in my face coming back. And like miles, whatever, 18 to 24. And I was like, I'm going to be so fun. And I was so angry at the wind just for being at my back. It's, but like, that's the weird stuff when you run yeah. that you just kind well, like of get to deal with. Yeah. Same thing as like every time I do like the downhill on like a trail race for every downhill, there's always an uphill for every uphill. There's always a downhill. Yeah. So like every time, if it's an out and back and out of nowhere, you're just, you know, you're going downhill and you're flying. You're just like, I got to go back. Yeah, like I'm right. going all the way up or like, <laughs> or like out of nowhere when you do like the Leadville marathon, the trail marathon, that one is 13.1 miles up and then 13.1 miles down. So like I was struggling all the way up. And like, I have no, I was like, oh, wait, it's okay though. Because then when I turn around, it is all downhill, baby. Like, right. it'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, again, like that's, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's a weird thing that I like you and I seem to get enjoyment out of that or that more people just need to go out there and do it to find those little enjoyments. Because it is funny mm -hmm. how like just stupid stuff like that. You're like, oh yeah. That was the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? All right, man. I'm sorry. I just keep rambling on at this point, but thank you again so much. And um, have a good night, my friend. I appreciate you. Oh, yeah. You too, man. Have a good one. Happy Easter as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search up Andre Psyche on social media. Give him a follow just for the fuck of it. Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know today's guest or just want to support this upstart podcast, go to our Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, your donation will help with all the costs associated with producing the Getting to Know You pod. Don't forget the three free ways to support the pod. One, subscribe to the Getting to Know You pod. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Three, go to Apple, write a review. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. If you're interested, just message us. See you.